Hail, glorious listeners. We come back to you again um, at the turning of the tide. I'm going to say that. I'm going to go with that. Um, it's actually for the second time. We're hoping that Ben's computer continues to work uh, and the machine spirit stays with us, unlike last time. It's not guaranteed. Um, <laughs> no, it is not. Absolutely not. Got to get the right blessings and appropriate oils. Um, maybe the beard oil, Ben. Try some of that. Beard oil. Yeah. Beard oil. On a yeah, laptop. On that could Slosh it on. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, guys, loads of awesome stuff has been uh, going on in the hobby over the last month. Um, I'm really sorry, but Ben has some opinions on it. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but I'll try and intersper- intersperse that with some common sense from me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, on the hobby desk, obviously, massive new uh, range of paints now. Um, that's gone on to be demoed today. Um, well, on Saturday gone, when you're listening to this. And we haven't really talked uh, about them on the cast, have we? I mean, we've, we've no, talked we about... Well, the last time... Sorry. I was just going to say, we talked about them, us and the guys after Wormerfest, but we haven't really talked about them, so... No. Uh, the last time we discussed what it might be, we were we were just guessing. So, um, so yeah, we got that to talk about. Um, then it's into the Galaxy of War and again I've managed to fill an A4 page with the stuff that's come out over the last month or been mentioned over the last month so our thoughts um, on a lot of that into the Mortal Realms now Ben was going to do that but he hasn't um, in a really strange role reversal because normally it's me who's not organised at all so um, I don't know maybe uh, thanks, next time thanks you for see us Ben that, will be cheers for that well, <laughs> I, that's fine dude that's fine I'm actually thinking you know next time maybe you will be clean shaven and I will have the beard if you can grow a beard that's in a if, month that would be pretty impressive <laughs> if I could grow a beard like yours in like 10 years mate I'd be uh, I'd be surprised but anyway Moving away from beards uh, and into the community section is our usual stuff with a special edition this month um, coming to you with a groundbreaking new podcast idea, a review of a pudding. (laughs) If you've got no idea what we're talking about, neither do we. Uh, But if you check out our friends over at Heralds of War uh, and a bit of a Twitter conversation, that's where that's come from. So bear with us. Um, And then lastly... Uh, what is it this week? Oh, it's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. It, we're going to talk about Hobbit holes. Take that as you will. Um, AVG has just come up with a message that says, your PC suffers from clutter and slowdown. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, your PC is coming out with groundbreaking comments like that. Let's go on to the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 44's Hobby Desk. Um, we have got an absolute metric ton of stuff to talk about, because, um, well, Dan's actually done hobby, and um, I've had a month to do <laughs> hobby, and we've got a whole new product range of hobby. So, um, where do we want to start? Well, I think so- they should start by grabbing their refreshments if they're planning to listen to all of that. Yep, I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, I don't actually have any, I'm quite gutted by this. I've got wow. in such a rush to come and do the podcast and got overexcited that I have no refreshments. Oh, Terry needs to sort herself out, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, uh, what did this start with me? Because as you're not, please don't let forward, her listen to that. I'm going to play her back, mate. 
I'm going to talk, oh, <laughs> edit it out and give it to her to listen to. <laughs> and you can face the consequences. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, so, oh, where did I have been painting goblins? Yeah. It's um, lots and lots of goblins. So, where did we, what, what was the last thing I did before we came? So, I suppose this worked back. So, I've just finished destroying myself, redoing 52 goblins. Um, if anyone can remember, it must be nearly like two years ago now, nearly. Um, yes, yeah. I, I sat down and painted the the 50 goblins from Skull Pass, and I, I did them relatively quickly, um, left a lot of highlighting off, um, and, and did them with black and yellow shields. So when I came to do... Well, to do them again because obviously I need need them as infantry in the army. They would look weird them not being sort of in keeping colourways. So I had to redo all the shields. Realised I needed to do at least two more stages of highlighting on the skin. Um, a bit of extra highlighting on all the brown cloaks, um, and more highlighting on the red spears and silver, silver sort of metally bits. And oh my days! If I never and rebase them, oh rebasing them. If I never see a skull pass goblin again, it will be too soon. <laughs> the best bit is, I've been ringing you up most evenings because um, I've been hobbying, and I'm like, "What are you doing, Ben? Goblins next day. What are you doing, Ben? Goblins yeah. next day. What are you doing? Is it goblins? Yes, yeah, goblins. So yeah, it's just goblins. It's um, Mate, it's got you, me to you, thinking. I have to though. shout out to some dedication of mine. Because you've sat at that table and painted goblins for hours this week. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it took a lot longer than I thought it would. Um, I I suppose I suppose the, the thing is with my goblin army is they, they ended up not being at all what I wanted them to be. Mm. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but when I, when I was thinking about a goblin army, I was always thinking about, oh, I'll do the characters nicely and then everything else can be batch painted. Um, and then the guys from the design team released Gloom Spike Gits, and well, you just can't not paint them well. I find that they just <laughs> wanted me to paint them to like a higher standard. I had to hold myself back with every unit from going a little bit extra, and a little bit extra, and a little bit extra. And and as a result, I've ended up looking at these fifty goblins and thinking they're just they're just rubbish. They just looked awful. You know, the, the skin was nowhere near the same colour as everything else's. The cloaks just looked a bit bleh. Um But then even then, when I'd done that, I was doing stupid things. Like I thought, oh, well, you know, those fingernails could do with being painted. And it was only when I was on like the 10th one painting their fingernails, I thought, what are you doing? There's 52 <laughs> of them, you moron. Um, oh, it's a lot of fingernails, isn't it? Yep. And then I thought, oh, the eyes aren't bright enough, so I put on a little bit of extra brightness, and of course, that's a hundred and four eyes. Yeah, I. Well, they're done. Yeah, they are done, and I'm very happy that they're done, and I'm very happy with how they look. Um, I think they fit in well with the army, and they give that kind of what the army was missing at the moment was a bit of kind of carpet troops, you know the. Like floor covering. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. it was all the good units and like the nice elite units, but I hadn't really set to doing the um the other stuff. Yeah, um, it has got me thinking about 
because one of the things I've been thinking a lot about because I've been doing it at work is the effect of sitting for long periods of time on on health essentially um and and if listeners can remember I was really quite poorly before Christmas with um with pneumonia and um I I haven't I hadn't exercised for two months because I just my lungs hurt to do it mm. um so you, you get lazy I ended up watching like television for day on day and I got really unfit and I've been thinking a lot about getting fitter and losing losing the weight that I've been carrying but really this week has made me think about crikey there's long hours of sitting at the desk um, and working my eyes got tired I could barely focus on a model because of I've been trying to burn the candle at both ends and that didn't work Um, and my arms started to ache and my rotator cuff muscles because I've been painting for so long I it really got me to thinking about how the guys who do this professionally, you know, maintain their own personal health while they're doing it. Because I mean, if you're a heavy metal painter or a, you know, or a, a um, you know, commission painter, you 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 could be sat. This is what you do as a job is eight hours a day, you know, maybe more if you're trying to catch up or do something. Um, sat painting it. I'd be really interested to hear from anyone who listens who is a who is a professional painter. You know, how they manage to not ache f- across their entire shoulder and back, uh, and <laughs> and the eyes just give up focusing because um, I painted a lot more this week than I normally would, and it I'm got to be saying I was quite uncomfortable today mm. um, in my neck and shoulders. So I'm just interested, and I have been thinking now. We've talked to you a little bit about this, Dan, about talking about more about health when it comes to hobbying, because it is really easy to sit for hours on end doing what we do as a hobby. And, you know, the increase in health problems doing that is quite profound, really. But that's for yeah. another day. <clears throat> um, so I was really happy to get those done. I've now started on the archers and the fanatics and the netters, and I'm doing them all at once. Which is another thirty goblins. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, these are, are these from from fresh. Yep, I've got them base coated and like they were washed last night. Okay, so, um, so they they've come quite they've got they've come quite a long way along. Um, it shouldn't take me too long. <laughs> touch wood <laughs> to finish no. them, um, but. I think that I'll be really happy with that because that will be like the bulk of the of the of the bulk of the troops done. Um, and if if I wanted to add a box or more net, you know, more goblins than I could, but you know, the you can't. I don't can't see myself needing more than two units of thirty goblin spearmen personally. But not yeah. unless you wanted to do something particular, like yeah, a massive horde of them or whatever. But even then, if I did another one, I'd do them one, one unit at a time, which wouldn't be quite so painful. No. <laughs> um, other things I've done. I've done the trolls, which I was really chuffed with. I, I love the old trolls. Like, genuinely love them. I think that the classic stone troll is one of, for me, the quintessential Games Workshop models. Mm. The faces, the proportions, the like the attention to detail. Um, there's so much going on with them. They're just fantastic miniatures. And they have aged really rather well, I think. You know, when mm. you put them in the army, they don't look out of place. Um, 
I don't know what they look like against the, the new Rock Guts because I haven't actually bought any of them. Um, but we'll see. I also did two of the Sour Breath, sort of three of the Stone Trolls, two Sour Breath, and Molog. Molog was an absolute treat, dude. That is one cracking model. And it was really cool painting Molog alongside the plastic stone troll from um, Skull Pass. Oh, yeah. Because I remember when we released Skull Pass, everyone was like, oh, it's a plastic troll. Oh, wow, wow, it's a plastic troll. And it's in the starters kit. And look, it's a plastic troll. And that was one of the big selling points. And when you put it next to Molog, which is essentially the same kind of troll, it's a push-fit, easy-build troll, plastic troll, the difference is just insane. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Like, the, the amount of extra quality in every bit of the finish is just ridiculous. It's a really good, like, look how far we've come in plastics kind of miniature comparison. And um, the other thing I've done is Sarbag's Gits. Oh, yes. So... That's that's my. That's you my loved month. them, didn't you? Is it? Oh, a, oh no, no. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, you did love them, but also yeah. I was actually in my head. I was thinking about the squigs from the from Molog's group. Oh, they're they're still some of my favourite models to paint because they're so small and so full of character that you can lavish a little bit of extra time into them because they're they're smaller and get like a really good result. And I just love love the character of them. I think they're fantastic. Especially the Stalag Squig. I, I know. I think so... that's my favourite as well. I love it. Absolutely love <laughs> it. I think I might have done... Well, I know I've done the OSL a bit bright. I was trying to get him to look like he was having a proper fairy and light in the way. And I got overexcited and painted it so bright it looks like a plasma engine. Um, plasma fairies. Yes. Which looks a lot brighter in the photographs than it does in real life, but even then, I think I might have. But I'm not going to go back and redo it. I refuse to. No, I hate no, doing no. things twice. So Don't that's been my month. Been fairly active, um, and yeah. I've had a lot of fun doing it. And now, oh, have... and your giant! You didn't talk about. Oh giant. yes, the giant! Yeah, yeah, the giant with the bruises. That is... That's a lot. This month. yeah, oh, the bruises, dude. That was so much fun. Um, and came out of an accident. So that model, um, I really don't know what went wrong with it, to be honest. But I built it when the Giant was released because, as anyone who's worked in Games Workshop will know, especially back then, if there was a new release and it was a like a big push, Games Workshop often said, you know, have one. But the you know the the pay the payoff is that you have to paint it, model it, and put it up in the store. So people can see it. Um, quite often did that with starters kits. Yeah. With a giant, I can't remember whether we were um, given one to play with or whether I bought one. I think I bought it and um, converted it. Uh, some minor stuff, sculpted some hair onto it, and um, undercoated it, and have never looked at it since because life takes you on different routes. So I brushed it down. Cleaned off the millions of mould lines that I'd missed 12 years ago, <laughs> 13 years ago, who I would quite happily go back and slap because some of the models I'm coming back to have been very badly cleaned up. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and 
I, I, I did clean it, but it, for some reason, the paint just was falling off of it. I touch mm. it, and like a lump of the skin tone, because I airbrushed it, would just come away. I, I just couldn't understand it. I guess that the the primer, something had got onto the primer over the years, and I hadn't seen it when I cleaned it down. But from now on, I'm either going to reprime models, or I'm going to get them in a bowl of hot soapy water and give them a good scrub. Yeah. Before I start painting them, because well, yeah, those bruises worse than putting that effort in, and then that happened. Ended up being a, a way to to sort of patch the bits of skin where I'd had a problem with and had to paint over, because they looked really obvious where I'd airbrushed everything else. Um. That's that's what that was. I'd also try and the idea of using like scratching techniques to create cuts, which worked quite well, I thought. Hmm. You know, like a a lighter line underneath, and the you know the red line for the cut. It, I think it. Yeah. I was quite surprised by how well that worked, actually. Oh, good. So that's me. So how about you? Um. Yeah. So I have been well. Most people will know by now, um, because I did put it on Facebook, but baby, uh, Hannah Elizabeth Jolly arrived. Um, <laughs> so, uh, about the middle of the month, 16th of May, um, she, she arrived. So she very, very kindly held on, uh, until three days after Warhammer Fest, which was excellent. Um, she gets kudos points for that. Or three or four days. Anyway, some it's some Thursday. days. Yeah, it was Thursday, wasn't it? So, um, so that was great. Uh, and what that's meant is I have been off work, and the Joshua has still been going to nursery. So I've actually had a bit of time to do some hobby, uh, and I've got stuck in and decided to just build anything I could reach from my chair, um, pretty much. So I've built a whole bunch of towel. Um, I've built some knights for Titanicus. I've built a reaver. I've built a couple of warhounds. I've built 20 blood reavers. Um, I've built all 30 of my Necromunda gang. Uh, I've built the orc cheerleaders. I've built the couple of, um, uh, Lord of the Rings characters. I will say actually, oh, gore half horn as well, that, I love it when you get a Forge World miniature that's like part of the f- initial batch because the quality is just excellent um, with very little mould slippage. Um, so I quite enjoyed that really because there's very little cleaning up and stuff to do on those models. Which ones? Uh, on the on the cheerleader women and the Gothmogs Enforcer and Gurix. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I got them, I know, I know that, like, I bought them almost straight away. Yeah. So, or I got, I actually, Ben Chambers got me the Enforcer, but very quickly after their release. So you're on one of the initial ones. Um, yeah. So that that's good. So lots and lots of building going on. Um, and I finished my Venom Crawler. <laughs> that's, that's what it, that's the noise it makes as it comes across the table. So, um, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like that. Just like that. Um so that was that was oh I was so happy to get that done, dude. And um it's the first unit because I did do the the I nearly said spells. 
That's funny, isn't it? The Judgments it's and the Skull Tower. I know. The Wizard's Tower and the Spells for my corn, <laughs> I did do in my sort of new concept scheme. Um, but this was the first unit I did it. So this is where basically I've moved across to airbrushing the armor panels um, and basically taking each of the colors a step lighter than I normally do and then mm. applying a a 50-50 Agrax with a airbrush thinner over everything um, rather than a solid Agrax and then building everything back up with a brush. Um, and that has significantly improved the speed at which I can paint these things. Um, so although the Venom Crawler has been on the table for quite a while, that's not because it takes ages to paint. It's just I wasn't painting it. Uh, so really pleased to have done that. Um, got him finished off. And I've painted a single towel fire warrior, dude. Yeah, and, and well, very nice it is too. A breacher. Thank you. Yeah, so he's from the Viola Sept. So he's white um, with a bit of red and some weathering. I'm really pleased with him. Uh, painted him up yesterday evening. Took a little longer because I was... It's a test just, one. Test one takes It was a test one. So it took yeah. a little bit of time. And like I will change the order I paint things in. Um, I put the... I got a bit carried away. I forgot to put the transfers on early on in the piece. And then I put the gloss varnish on too soon. So then it was a bugger to paint over it. But he got there in the end. Um, redid his base because I didn't like it. It was too plain. Because I'm trying to get it to tie in. I've got a barren wastelands mat from the fat mats. Yeah, um, it's lovely that. Yeah, I really like it. But um, so I'm I'm trying to get some an army that will blend in with that. Uh, and then I'm hoping to get some of the um, sector frontiers terrain to yep. put on that. Um, although I did also see some. I'd completely forgotten that Micro Art Studios make what they call Tau Seti terrain, and it is essentially Tau hard foam towel terrain and it's excellent. yeah 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 there's also the games workshop tower terrain which isn't too bad yeah i do you know i think the the issue with that is like it is very it's nice i mean you you put it in your army it's fortifications um but it's almost not smooth enough there's too many panels for me um okay but that's personal preference is it cool? wick, wicked white dwarf army on making your own tower stuff you could try there that. was yeah there was that yeah yeah so lots plenty of options anyway um so i need to <sighs> try and get that unit finished now i suppose that that guy belongs to yeah yeah uh, absolutely which would be great i'm really excited about like two of the things that you've just spoken about so i, I think it's really cool that you're doing tau um, because I think it's a totally different colour scheme from what you normally do. Um, so I'm really excited to see that coming come alive, really. Um, and you've been really energetic about it, which is a pretty positive sign. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, the one thing I would like to just sort of go back and talk about a bit more is your chaos, dude, because I, I personally think your Venom Crawler looks better than your Forge Fiend. By by like quite a significant margin, actually. Mm. Um, there is a difference in style because where you've airbrushed it, you end up 
with the highlight in the middle of the panel, which I think is more natural than um, the way you've done your Forge Fiend, which is the, the sort of quote-unquote heavy metal style. Yeah. You know, with the sort of fine lines right up against the, um, you know, against the the golden irritating trim that I absolutely hate. <laughs> it's just there to slow you down. Yeah. <laughs> but... but um. I do think it looks a lot better. I really do. And I'm so pleased that it's faster because you'll crash through a lot of that stuff now. What I'm interested to see is how that transfers across to your infantry. Yeah, so the the, infant, the challenge that I face with the infantry that I'm... It's just about brush skill and, and, and practice is I'm using the Vallejo gold range, the liquid yeah. gold range, um, red gold, to do the armor trim now, which is is just incredible, um, but it, you need to use a synthetic brush for it, and it's it's hard. I'm finding it harder to control on the model yeah. than than normal paint. So being able to paint the detail, because one of the things that makes painting quicker is not making errors along the way. Yep. Um, you know, I can remember when I was younger, you know, having whole. You do a color, then you go and tidy it up, and then you do another color, and then you tidy that one up, and so on and so forth. Um, so that that's just something to get used to, really. Um, Is it? Would it be easier to airbrush the whole thing gold with that stuff, and then and then paint the panels in and paint everything else in? Um, possibly, possibly. And then hit up the other other areas with the, with your colours through the airbrush. Yeah, quite possibly. Although what I tend to do is I've like with the Venom Crawler, I airbrushed all the red, most of the silver. Um, oh, of course, the, it's the actual air. Yeah, the red has been done by uh, highlighting with the airbrush, isn't it? Okay, yeah, yeah scratch, yeah. scratch that. That's me not thinking it through. So. Yeah, it's been quite exciting, really. Um, I need to play some games. I have played Dan Wasley um, the other day, uh, which was a good game uh, against his Wanderers. And I have played some Necromunda as well, which was good. But I'm really looking forward to playing some Kill Team with Ben once we both got our Kill Teams ready. Um, I'm already sort of... So the Tau project was part of the slow grow thing with Ben. Yeah, um, yeah. And my brain has already gone, right, the Tau, my apocalypse army... so um yeah maybe uh, in a year's time after you've slow grown it to that scale Dan. (laughs) yeah i'm not sure slow growing to like six thousand points in a year is is going to be counted as slow is it really but no mind you you've got some whopping great units in that army so three three riptides that's what i want yeah i mean you know those big stompy robots yeah, That's yeah. I, I mean, want. you could very easily fill up like points with just whopping great robot dudes. And yeah. if you're struggling, buy the Manta from Forge World. <laughs> I don't. They don't make it anymore, do you? Well, you don't need to buy it from Forge World. I don't blame them for not making it. I mean, what a completely ridiculous model. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine anyone buying it, but somebody must have done. I think. Didn't you oh, get yeah. all like the plastic towel to go in it? Yeah. Yeah. Crikey. You could use it as a surfboard. You could you bodyboard could, yeah, with it down around the corner. Definitely a bodyboard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um 
Oh, and of course, I have spent an inordinate amount of time tidying. Ty- sorting, tidying. Every time you phone me, tidying this, sorting out. Counters have been sorted into mini counter boxes with lots of compartments that have been sorted into larger boxes with more compartments. It's like, oof, look at that. <laughs> It's so true, but I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, I just like being able to sit in my chair and grab everything I need. And I also do not like, like Chris turned up the other day to play Necromunda. And it took me 20 minutes to gather up the various bits and bobs from around the room. Oh, yeah, that's really all. irritating, especially when you don't have time as it is. Well, that's it. So now I've got a box with all my Necromunda. And I found a really useful box size that fits the necromunda cards in the necromunda sleeves <laughs> so i was like yes <laughs> love it love it i do you know i i had forgotten about today's hobby dan oh, i of course i spent the whole day hobbying with tristan and elowin elowin i'm Oh, we've spoken about this before about how you know getting models for kids that you know you don't mind them dying, um, and paints that are just usable by them. So Elowin has for the last two years repainted and repainted and repainted and repainted the same plastic farm animals, um, <laughs> in various different poster paints, which then quite handily you can stick them in a bowl of hot water and it all comes off. Yeah. Um, she loves it. She sits at the table and does it. And it's teaching her brush control and all those things. So, you know, for a really little one, I would highly recommend poster paints and farm animals primed because um, <laughs> it's cracking. Um, Tristan has painted those Chaos Cultists you got in for Christmas. Oh, um, brilliant. Yeah, Flat did them in Death World, Death Forest Green, Death World Green, Death, something like that. That one, the one I use for my goblins, Death Forest, I think it is, and um, and then Spot picked out the colours in bright red, moot green, um, all the sort of colours you would expect on a Chaos Cultist. Um, <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, uh, I hope there was some red on there. Yes, the uh, the 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 strap holding the metal ball got painted oh, yeah. red, and I said, yeah. "Oh, why are you painting that red?" He goes, "Well, string can be any colour, Daddy, and I want it to be red." Like, oh, well, right. that's fair enough. Fair you can't enough. argue with that, that can right, you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact so, that he calls it string, yeah, I suppose, that's great, isn't it? yeah, that's excellent. I know it's not strictly true because uh, I'm thinking more of wool, but it just puts me in mind of them doing some knitting when they're having downtime. <laughs> knitting, and knitting like chaos like jumpers. That, that like um, oh, the the fight scene from uh, Kill Bill against yes, the, yeah, the oh, what's the number seventy something? And the girl with the spinny ball thing that just absolutely annihilates the whole room. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and then we did something cool. So this is actually going back to um, the Scooby and Wells podcast I listen to every now and again. And a couple, what, a year ago or so, I think, they were talking about how Lego is like the absolute benchmark toy. And any company interested in toys could could learn a lot by looking at Lego really, and uh, having a think about it. Um, I think one of the reasons, well, they highlighted, one of the reasons why it's so popular is that kids can, can literally just do what they want with it. Yeah. And um, and I thought, well, because Tristan absolutely adores Lego. Um, it, it's everywhere in my house. It's like a battlefield of Lego. 
and <laughs> those memes where fathers are standing on bits of Lego and trying not to scream out at the top of their lungs, that's me every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I did was, do you remember that old Space Hulk diorama that we bought? I don't know whether you were with us at the time. Built for Games Workshop Plymouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were working on it when just before I joined, I think. Um, well, that was lined with all the old kind of scenery bits, and mm. when it got chucked out, because it was quite a big project, it was it took up so much of the window, it was um, it, it kind of needed to go. In the, the end. sun couldn't get in. No, it couldn't. Um, but what it was was like a cabinet with like layers where we built each layer to be like a floor in a space hulk. So there was all sorts of stuff going on there. It was really quite cool. Um, but it was all kind of cladded in the old scenery. I say old, but it was it was current up until not that long ago. Yeah. And um, so when we chucked it all out, I I just stripped all the scenery bits out of it because I thought, well, you know, they might be useful. And um, everyone in the store was like, oh, you'll never make anything of that. We'll just chuck it in the bin. But I thought, no, stubborn as I am. No, I will. Of course, they went in a box. I will reforge it. <laughs> and they never got used. <laughs> no. Well, until... Until today, and I chucked it all on the table and said, right, Tristan, we're going to build a building. Um, and you get to choose how you make it, and here's all the bits. Um, and he designed and then didn't clean up. I had to do the cleaning up, but did a lot of the sticking. Oh, my goodness. I have to interrupt you. Yesterday, Dan Wosley came, and he actually cleaned up after himself before he left. But that is a miracle. That was worth interrupting us for. I know. Actually. Well, you said clean up, and it reminded me. Goodness me. I know. Anyway, so do carry on. Yeah, so I had to clean up all the bits because I had to use the exacto to do it, and um, and we built this building, and I'm really chuffed with it. Actually, They're really super chuffed with it. Um, I've had to use bits of um, white plastic card for flooring because I I think that those things need flooring um, to sort of make them make sense. And we've done internal walls, and there's a door half open, and yeah, I'm really happy with it. He's put a servant's door in for staff. He's like, that's a staff door, Dad. And I was like, well, what's the staff going to do? He's like, well, it's the library, isn't it? So there needs a door for the staff to come in. Like, oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. He's generating the backstory already. Yeah. Next, and then it he'll be like up. Writing, up the, writing up the librarians as NPCs. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be quite cool. That'd be sweet. Yep. And then we went through the whole conversation about, well, Ellen was like, you need to put a staircase in there. And I was like, well, that is a very good idea. If only Games Workshop made a staircase. Hint, 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 hint. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> right. Um, should we have a little quick chat about the contrast paints? Yeah, let's go for it. I was just thinking it must be time to chat about the eh? So um, it's been a month since they were sort of dropped on us. And um, it's been an interesting kind of month, I think. There's a lot of people have had a lot of things to say on them and certainly the video that i recorded had a surprising amount of hits um really didn't expect that many people to watch it but they have it was quite a lot in the end um it was the highest watched contrast video for a week <laughs> which is quite stunning considering how badly filmed it was but there we go um a lot of the comments on there i felt reflected what has been the comments of the month which is Oh, they're just like washes. Oh, they're just like this. At the end of the day, um, they're out now, essentially. You know, you can go to Games Workshop and have a go with them. And anyone who's got doubts about them, that's what I would suggest you do. Because 
it's not that these are going to be for everyone, you know, because some people will prefer their way of painting. This is my personal view. Some people will prefer their way of painting and, you know, won't see a use for them in their in their techniques. And that's completely fine. There's no, like, they're not reducing the other paints. They're not getting rid of all the other traditional stuff. It, they're, they're all still there. Um, the contrast is just another tool in the box. And um, if, if you want to have a look to see whether they are different from washes, they are absolutely different from washes. They're completely different. Um, they are more akin to oil paints, but acrylic. Um, really high pigment, really viscous, um, and, and quite slow moving on the model. So they will mm. sit where you put them. Um, they will flow all over the place ridiculously. Um, so they are, they are different. So I would suggest you go and have a go. I, I've been really interested seeing what some of the really good painters have been doing with them. Um, particularly, Richard Gray has released a couple of like bits, models that he's done. A simple, I'm trying to remember, I think it was a Blood Angel um, and a Troll. Fantastic. But then you could argue it's Richard Gray using them. So, of course, they're going to look fantastic. But what's interesting about those things is that they look like Richard Gray's models. Yes. And I think that was really one of my biggest concerns when I was looking at them is that all of the models in the cabinets that they had at Games Workshop looked okay. looked like army level, like tabletop standard. And they were doing what everyone was saying they were doing. They're going to get your models on the table. But they had a really distinct kind of contrast style to them. And I was worried that it was going to remove one of the biggest things in painting, which is personal style. So... Everyone has their own kind of unique way of looking, you know, painting a model. And it, if you look at different painters, I can almost now tell who's painted it just by looking at it. For, yeah. you know, for the really famous painters. Um, and Richards has got such a, such a characteristic style that I was really pleased to see that even his basic, his basic blood angel looked like a Richard Gray model. Yeah. I was really happy to see that. Um, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And the troll, where he'd done extra stuff, even more so. So that's one thing I'm really happy about. Um, and all the other things quite cool is watching other people find different uses for them, like um, lining in, using them for weathering, um, all sorts of stuff. So um, I'm really excited about them. I think, and I know I'm having a bit of a diatribe here, Dan, but just jump in any time you want to say anything. But I, I think people will find uses for them in different ways. I think for what they're supposed to do which is for a very basic get your model on the table quickly paint especially for beginners i think these are going to be an absolute game changer um for the more experienced painters i think like i said i think they'll find a use for them i really really do and i've been doing because what i've been doing today with the kids is speed painting chaos cultists it's left a filthy taste in my mouth um but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, as a joke, uh, I, I what I was doing with them was I painted them all brown. I've dry brushed them up a couple of stages, and then now I'm picking out the flesh and I'm picking out this and I'm picking out that. And I was thinking, literally, while I was doing it, I could totally use a contrast paint for this bit and that bit. And now I've done the sort of the dry brush starting bit. I could pick out bits with the base coat and then just whack on the contrast paint, and that would be done. <laughs> so, um. I can see how I, I can see how I will be using them. Um, 
and I'm really excited to get my hands on them. That's my diatribe, but I know you've had a little bit of an extra shot with them today, Dan. Yeah, so I went into Game Workshop Cribs today. Um, I've intended all along to, to buy the whole range. I even, when I was doing my aforementioned sorting, made a space for them um, with uh, with a holes for 34 paints. Um, and I got the chance to, to have a go and I tried out um, a couple of the reds that I'd not tried, um, the ultramarine blue. Uh, what else did I try? Snakebite leather. Um, I love I the fact it's called snakebite leather. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to see some of the old colour names back, isn't it? Um, yeah. Blood yeah. Angels Red and Ultramarine's Blue and it's like you say, snakebite leather. So that's good. Um, ultimately, I didn't didn't order any. Um, and I think a lot of that is because I, I know you said like they are in essence, they are, they are out there now, but I think the next step is for them to be in people's hands with the, with the medium, which seems to be like mystical in that nobody's allowed to try it. I imagine that's because it would just get polluted straight away if it was part of a demo set. Um, yeah, wouldn't it? So. Yeah, getting that contrast meeting and, and sort of experimenting because what what I have noted um, in a lot of the examples that are done not at the super painter level yeah. is a very blotchy finish, um, which yeah, yeah. I don't obviously uh, you know I, I basically it looks it looks like someone's thinned their paint and put one coat on um, and not not gone in with the second now. That's it's important, like like you said, mate. Everybody has their hobby. Um, I think, I think for me, going through my hobby journey, the the barrier wasn't so much the time it took to paint. It was more about getting the results I wanted. Um, In the time you had to paint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and even just being able to do it. Um, yeah. Within the area, you know, within the window of motivation that I had to paint, I suppose. Um, and to that end, the contrast range doesn't, doesn't solve that issue for me because actually the, the finished product isn't at a level that, that I would say, yes, I'm happy to call that done. However, that doesn't mean I don't think that they are are going to have a place. I, I don't think I'm going to be painting whole models with them um, or switching over to that method, but I think there is going to be some... I, I'm basically looking at the browns, and I think things like leather straps and stuff like that would be really good. The flesh, I've seen loads of great examples of flesh. Um, and I think, I think anything that's not a flat armour panel, really, is going to be really good for. Yeah. Um, but I do... Yeah. I am at the point now where I just I just want a couple of them and I want a bit of the medium and I want to try a few things out. Um, because I think um, the flat panel thing with the blotching on, I think the medium will solve that quite a lot. But I, I also think that that's probably got a lot to do with how it's applied. Yeah, and, and like there's going to be a, a learning curve with how it's applied. Yeah, and making sure that the surface is. Isn't just whacked on and then let to dry. I think if you managed it on the surface and got it just right before you let it dry, I think that would make a difference. That's my thought. Yeah, but it can't be too much work because otherwise it 
it sort of goes against its purpose. I think even if you managed it for like an extra 20 seconds on a Space Marine dude, or even an extra minute, you're still significantly saving time over having to base coat the whole thing and then do the first stage of highlights. Oh, yeah. Shape. I mean, the coverage is is good anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, the coverage is good anyway. I know Dan Wosley had a great time with it. He he loved what he'd done. Um, and it did look very good. So he, did a, he did a white off. marine, didn't he? It, it really yeah. I was quite impressed by that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but they're out there, uh, along with a load of other new paints as well that have appeared, um, that are rejoining us um, from Forge World. The whole Forge World range, which is awesome. Yeah. I and think... my bank account is crying. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see um, what people do with the contrast paints now that they're out there. Yes. Um, and what people do with them that aren't like super awesome painters. And also isn't the prescribed games workshop way of using them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's not to take away. I mean I have really enjoyed seeing like what Andy had done and what Henry had done and what Richard had done. And that's great. Um however if it's a product that requires the brush skills level of those sort of guys, then it's not gonna be something I can be able to use. Mm, um yeah. But I don't think it is. I, you know, at the end of the day, they wouldn't have invested all this time and effort into something unless they were confident in it. Interestingly, five of them have sold out already. Yeah. Um, the black had sold out before lunchtime because I went into Cribs for about quarter past 11 and it was gone. Um, although my understanding is that the stores will be getting some stock on the day. So if you are wanting them, get down to the stores for when they open. You'll need chainmail, a helmet, a stick, and a shield. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's contrast. Unsurprisingly, um, not quite sure. And I say unsurprisingly because I haven't actually got it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, well, you, uh, it is uh, mental. Try You know, it, it is mental. I was surprised at my change in opinion but i i shouldn't be really because ultimately i haven't got the product to try have i you know there's it ha- having a little go at it on a painting table in a games workshop or and i and i still think in warhammer fest they were just they i i don't know i don't think the demo was the the opportunity you got to try them out a plague bearer is a miniature that would traditionally be painted quite quickly anyway well, not yeah, that's very bearer, true. What is it? A play, whatever they were called. Zombie. No, it's not even that, is it? Poxwalker. That's it. It's a, it's a zombie. Zombie, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not, yeah. I think you're in the so, same yeah, place I'm as looking a lot forward of people, to them coming to out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, although, uh, in variation to many people you see on the internet, I actually have the ability to, to critically analyse my thought process and understand why it's where it is and not just go Bleh! Uh, well that's completely unfair but no it's not at all having read it's our not. YouTube comments <laughs> 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 right um, uh, coming up to three quarters of an hour of banging on about paints and hobby um, shall we move ourselves over to a Galaxy of War Mr Jolly a Galaxy of War I'm going to send that 
to X Factor. Good work. Imagine a drop pod assault on X Factor. Oh, God. imagine it. I'd be there with popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the galaxy of war. Are you oppressed by a crazy imperial regime? Join the greater good today for cool, awesome, curvy buildings. Welcome, listeners, to the Galaxy of War. Huzzah! Huzzah! I, uh... I don't think I've ever said huzzah. Less skulls today, less skulls. Yeah, well, it's about time there was less skulls. Hmm. Hmm. Except for Space Wolf skulls. Can't have enough of that. So, um, I have written a mighty long list, which I'll just get, causing a load of background noise. It'll be hard to edit because I'm talking over it. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. <Dan. laughs> um, so, a load of stuff has come out uh, in the Galaxy of War since we last spoke, Ben, or has been been teased. Um, so, we shall start... Where shall we start? Let's start with Necromunda. So, the Book of Peril. Has arrived, and that's a cracking uh, book. It is a cracking book. Chris is incredibly excited. I get regular text updates about how awesome or scary the latest thing that he's read is. Um, there's rules in there for things falling down, uh, like whole hive domes that you're fighting in falling on your head. Yeah, it's proper old school. It really is. It's like it's really good. Loving it. Cal Jericho and Scabs um, are Spelt in there. In which way? Well, indeed, that's uh, for for you to decide. It's <laughs> all about giving people options, dude. All about yeah, giving absolutely. people options. Yeah, I'm sure they've um, never written their name anywhere. So. <laughs> no, indeed. Um, interesting things that are not in there. So enforcers are not in that book. Um, really? And, yeah. And what? the headsman. That is really surprising. So there's clearly another book on the way. Um with that information. Yeah. So that's, that must be on its way. Um, so that's that. And, and a bunch of cards came out alongside that and the card sleeves, which made me very excited with my organizing. I do like a good card sleeve, especially when the cards Fit. are not standard size. Yes. Um, <sighs> so that's, yeah, that's fun. But, um, but talking about card sleeves, they've stopped the blood bowl card sleeves. I know. So they will do the same with Necromunda. I know. Almost certainly. So if you want card sleeves for Necromunda that fit the cards, because their cards are not the normal size, sigh, um, then buy them now before they go, because I really want the Blood Bowl ones and they're not around anymore. I know. I really want the Blood Bowl ones as well. But hey-ho, um, that's something we can ask about at the next Warhammer Fest. Um we can heckle so we from the back. About, card well, sleeves! <laughs> yeah, card sleeves, and then somebody else will be like, Tomb Kings! <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, we mentioned them briefly. The Palatine Enforcers, Ben. What do you think of those, dude? Oh, they're a bit rubbish, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll make great. In fact, somebody even did it with Photoshop. Ultramarine Home Guard, like. I just, I'd, nah, I'd... <laughs> 
I think they will make great almost anything in the Imperium apart from Space Marines. In fact, scratch that. There are bits about them which I would use as a Space Marine. They're just fantastic. I think they're absolutely brilliant. I'm really chuffed with them. So excited to see such a like a an, another different sort of armor for 40k. Sort of, yeah, love it. It's not unreasonable to do a whole guard army out of them, is it? Well, no. You I mean that's what you said to me the other day? You wanted to do? Yes. Well, at least a whole like platoon, at least like thirty of them. Hmm. It is exciting, and it's just they're they're a great thing as well. Chris and I were talking like a narrative. They're a great tool in a narrative campaign. Yeah. So, like, you can get one or two and have them guarding certain points and things like that. Um, yeah. Just to add some interest. Um, I had this mental image of of, of, a, of a trading camp like, or, like, um, outpost with them dotted around all over the place with, like, a, a mission to, you know, like the, one of the chest missions where you have to go to the chests and open them. Yeah. And you, and you have to do it without, like, raising the alarm from these enforcers and it would all kick off. Mm. That's that would I... be ace. That would be really ace. Um, we're actually teeing up to start our Necromunda campaign towards the end of this month. Um, well, you've got enough put together some. now. Well, I have, yes. I, I could do a painting some, uh, but Contrast is coming for that, so... Um, well, that's I, a good point. They, they would be quite good for Contrast, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, that's why I'm getting the browns, and uh, I think it's ultramarine blue is the blue that matches Cantor blue quite closely. Mm. Um, um, so yes, sounded like a Skeksy then. Sorry, I sounded like a Skeksy then. Um, yeah, so that's that's quite cool. Some good stuff for Necromunda. Um, moving on to kill team then. So. There's been some new kill teams for Orcs, Death Guard, and Thousand Sons, uh, alongside Elites that we've already spoken about. Um, new Kill Zone Sanctus environment, which we were saying, uh, despite nah. the contents looking cool, um, there seems to be a distinct uh, lack <laughs> of, of volume <laughs> to the contents compared to previous kill zones. So, whether that's a sign that the previous things ones to were come. perhaps a little bit too much. <laughs> But I, I mean, think that's a I've crying got... shame. Personally, yeah. I, I do. I really do because I think, I think those kill zones were because of the amount you got in them were attractive to everyone who who wasn't playing kill zone with kill team. But I love that sanctus scenery, and as soon as I saw the box art, I was like, "Oh yes, that's going to be awesome! I can get my hands on not a great deal more for my money." Yeah. But then I suppose when you are, as a company, struggling to create enough stock to keep everybody happy, doing bundle deals where they can buy more stock for less money is probably (laughs) not not, um, very sensible. To fuel the the conspiracy theories. Well, no. It's not a conspiracy theory, it's sense. (laughs) And <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on. Sorry, I'm eating a. What even are these things? A miniature starburst to give myself some sugar. So, 
books, we've had Angron, the Primark novel, which I have got and I've started reading. But the trouble is, I've started reading it, man, and Angron's just a douche. Well, he is a douche. Oh, it's so frustrating. I didn't know, though, this I thought was quite cool. The World Eaters in battle in the Heresy just walked to their enemy and just like normal Vox communication. They didn't charge at any point. They just walked there. And it was like a psychological thing because like the enemy would be like shooting them and going crazy and they'd just be walking along, walking along. I did not know that. And that is really awesome. Yeah. So, so that was quite cool to read, but I just, I do need to read it all because, you know, you can't, you shouldn't really judge a book by the, by the opening bits and bobs, but I just, I just think he's just a petulant kid, isn't he? Yes. Um, and the whole butcher's nails thing. It's just its just a whole load of stupidity, um, which is very frustrating. So, and although what is cool, accurate. Yeah. What is cool is there are some captains in there from like terror and things and look at they're looking at things in different ways. Um, so that's quite nice. So I do need to finish that off. Awesome piece of art on the front. Yeah, it really is. I like that a lot. Um so yeah, that's good. And Spears of the Emperor, which came out as a limited edition, one of the most awesome limited edition things I've ever seen, including transfers and purity seals and all sorts. And a background book. And a background book is now um, available in hardback. So that might be worth reading because it's Aaron Dempsey Bowden and they're usually worth reading. Um, I've not read something that he has read, written, that I've not liked. No, so. indeed. Yeah, it's just very good. Very good. Um, so we've had... Uh, I'm sorry, we're kind of whizzing through it just to, to cover bits and pieces off. Um, but FAQ, we had a, a, an addendum about the FAQ. So we had the sort of twice a year big review. Uh, and then following that, some stuff's come out around stratagems and just clarifying those. Which I suppose is fair enough because they sort of interact all over the game, don't they? In all different phases and break yeah. things. and yeah. So I think that's fair enough. And then the Tau, the Death Watch and the Space Wars have had a couple of of updates. Um, I totally missed the Space Wars had an update. I, I haven't even read that. No, and I I thought I could read it, but I, I don't really care about them. So I didn't. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did have a brief look at the Tau, but because I'm not playing with them yet, it didn't really mean much to me. No. Um. So yeah, there's there's that on there for anyone that's not seen that. A Battle Sister Bulletin, the Retributors, dude. Let's talk a bit about the Battle Sisters and what we've seen so far. What yeah, I think? Th- I think that's a really good. I, I I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Because there is a, it's an element. I don't even know why there's an element of nervousness. Because when you think about the guys that are in that design studio, they're just superb. And but there is a le- there is a level of apprehension when you hear, and it's probably the first time in fairness that we have heard before they even really started doing it. Apparently, that they're going to do it. So as soon as they said, "Oh, they're going to redo the sisters," there's so much emotive like connection between a lot of hobbyists and those models and where they wanted them to be and what they wanted the new ones to look like when they dropped 
like Darren Latham's special, well, the, the one that's based on the artwork by Karl Kaplinski. And Karl Kaplinski is one of my all-time favourite artists, not just for 40k, for Games Workshop, but his other work too on faces and characters. It's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, that model was just stunning. It captured everything about that piece of art perfectly. And now they've done shown the retribute. I'm just so happy. I I am going to be really struggling not to to do a goblins with the sisters <laughs> and spend like a whole year painting every sister of battle I can get my grubby hands on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see any kind of new units that might get added. That's the really exciting thing, isn't it? Because Games Workshop don't just go, oh, I'm going to remake Squig Hoppers or I'm going to remake a Squig Hut. They're like, ah, here you go. There's like a whole army of new stuff. Yeah. So the Sisters of Battle are never just going to be, here is all the old units rehashed with a, you know, there's going to be something new in there. And that is probably the most exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what excites me um, about the, the, the Battle Sisters. Um, so do did they give an indication of how far off the codex actually is? No, and I think that's very sensible because, well, if, and I say the word if, and I'm not meaning to undermine any sort of communication, but if they really did start the project when they said they did, which as was as a result of the community survey last year, then the, the lead time that they talk about for miniatures design in the podcasts is quite a number of years, really, isn't it? So, you know, can be, yeah. It, they're, they're talking two, three years, yeah. From what they, I'm only going. I'm, I'm, I've never been a part of that process, so I'm only going on what they've said in the po- on the podcast. Um, so we're in year one and a half. But what's interesting is they've actually started to design the to do the rules alongside it because. Again, I'm only taking from the podcast, Voxcast and Stormcast, that the, the miniatures get designed, then they're handed to the, the you know, the games designers and the rules writers and the background writers, and, and they're turned into units, etc., etc. I suppose with the Sisters of Battle, there is a head start in that a lot of these units have data sheets already, um, and it's about pulling the whole thing together, and there's a lot of background already written. I'm, I'm guessing that they're They've just integrated them into that process from the start. I don't. I don't know if if that's the case. Then I think we're going to be looking at early next year, maybe the end of this year. Mm. But that's a complete guess. Yeah. Based on that. Based on that information. Yeah. Well, hopefully, when they arrive, lots of people will purchase them, and it won't all have been in vain. Well, that's that's the real worry, isn't it? That actually, after all this has been said and done. Um, the whole enterprise falls flat on its face because people don't buy them when they've been asked for and then done and then they're not bought. That's the worst case scenario, but I just genuinely can't see it happening. Those models are so good that, and the design sketches are so, I just, I think they're going to be an absolute hit. Yeah, I think so too, mate. I think so too. So, um, Forge World. Have topped up our our Galaxy of War segment as well, with some of the white scars have appeared. Yeah, uh, for heresy. So, white scars and black armor. 
Yes. Oh, do you know what? I didn't even remember the term. I really like those Terminators. I do too. I really like them. I really like that they have got iconography, but it's not over the top. Yes. Yes. A hundred times yes. I really like that. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the... That's one of the things that I wasn't so keen about about the Space Wolf Terminators is that although you want a Space Wolf to look like a Space Wolf, the level of Space Wolfiness felt more 30k to me. Whereas the White Scars ones, I think with Heresy, you want to, a lot of it feels like it should be painted onto the armour. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you feel the same, but that's my Yeah, I, no, I absolutely, I do. Absolutely. I, I think the White Scars Well, because everything was a lot it. more functional, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and, yeah. And there was a lot less superstition. A lot, you know, it was the, it was the age of the Imperium where, um, it, it was, it was science and progress and, you know, practicality rather than, you know, gubbins. Yeah. There's a, a job advert up for the, for the lead Horace Heresy content writer for Forge World. Is there? Background, background person. That's big shoes to fill. <laughs> big, um, yeah, massive, great big shoes to fill. Hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping though that the fact that the Forge World paints have come back through the main range um, may show a move to do a little bit more with the Heresy. Yeah. Um, it would be a good time as well because with them going into the Solar War um, and that sort of 10 book series be a good time to get people I think because that that is just such a seminal part of background. Yeah. Because basically um, you know, after Istvan it's then like you've got Istvan and then Prospero. The, that Prospero. was often talked about. But you're right, it was, it was basically Istvan, Prospero, Terror. Terror, yeah. Maybe. And all the rest has been filler. M- maybe. Good filler, don't get me wrong. Um, you could add in um, uh, Kalth into that. that Kalth, I think that. yeah. But, you know, largely everything else hadn't really been filled in. Um, yeah. So it'd be great to see that. Um, oh, we're, we're forgetting the Dark Angels, like, falling to chaos as well. Oh yeah, of course. But nobody talks about that. Especially the Dark um, Angels. <laughs> especially the Dark Angels, yeah. So, um, to conclude my sort of quick whiz through all the stuff that has come along and what we think of it for the Galaxy of War, um, Blackstone Fortress Escalation. So, another add-on, I suppose, to Blackstone Fortress with some awesome new models in it. Um, really awesome cultists. Yes, I, and um, they're the ones with the new heroes in, aren't they? Yes. Oh, mate, I'm so glad that they're in there. Oh, because yeah. they were they were like as a in a box game that was only sold in America, weren't they? Really? So was that were they? Yeah, I think so. Um, by the same company that does the um, Space Marine one. Where the Space Moon heroes are in it, really? I'm sure. I don't know. I'm I'm maybe chatting absolute rubbish, but I'm pretty sure that they were they'd had previously only been available in a game, and I I haven't seen that game over here. 
Um, well, hopefully by this time through the podcast, people have downloaded most of it anyway. So if they've now just realised you're talking rubbish and they stop listening, at least we've had them for a little bit. Yeah. So thanks for listening. <laughs> um, I love those. <laughs> those character models. Oh, so good. Yeah, they are good. There's a peg leg guy, isn't there? I, this is the Crusader, mate. I absolutely yeah. love it. Oh, dude, is, oh, do you reckon they're going to do Crusader units for, um, Sisters of Battle? Well, that would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, I love the Crusaders. That would be good. <laughs> Whole squads of, like, sword and shield weeding nut jobs. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> Have, um, do you know the Chaos, the, the add on pack with the Chaos Commissar? No, it hasn't come out yet, no. No, yeah. That's been. It sort of disappears. Do you reckon that's gone the way of the Sylvaneth? <laughs> <laughs> it got mobbed on its way across Europe or something. Or it's been held yeah. to ransom in a customs depot. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with that? It's like some jobs worthy dude sat there going, No, the Sylvaneth book is not allowed into our country. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That was <laughs> that's like some snubbed hobbyist. If it's not Bretonians, it's not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. That could Or it's happen. that Tomb King dude from Warhammer Fest. Yes. Tomb King dude from Warhammer Fest. Yes. Who has been mentioned in at least three podcasts I've listened to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited about Escalation. I quite a lot actually. Really happy to see Blackstone Fortress continuing to have support. Um, really quite an awesome way for them to bring in other models that aren't necessarily part of a range, like the Cultists, for example. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, Chris and I still need to get through. And finish Blackstone Fortress actually um, to get to the vault. Uh, that's the, it's the same with me. I, I've played Silver Tower probably thirty times. I've never finished it. <laughs> I have. I've done the first two quests like fifteen times, but then you know you <laughs> just don't finish it off. Um, Excellent. Similar with Blackstone Fortress. Good work, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it um, just makes finishing it that all the more sweeter. Oh, yeah, it will. It will. So that's it for what's sort of appeared for 40k. Um, is there anything further 40k-ish that's crossed your mind that you wanted to discuss? Well, I, I had... I had inklings of thoughts about because I'm in the back of my head. I'm I with the contrast paints coming up and um, and various other factors. I've been playing into my second army in 40k, which was always going to be Imperial Guard because I think if you don't have an Guard army and you're an Imperial fan, then you're missing out on a huge wodge of narrative components. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been thinking about the backstory for my guard for some time, and we've spoken about them being Huskars from the Space Wolves, that kind of stuff. I thought I was a bit cliched, actually. And I think that if you were going to have Huskars for a Space Marine chapter, they are going to be in different armour. And 
I don't think having Cadians painted in the Huskar colours that they mention in Ashes of Prospero, you know, I don't think that that would work. No, um, I don't. So I'd had thought about converting them, and I thought no. But I quite, I've always quite liked the idea of a foot sloggy infantryman, you know, the the real like sort of backbone of the Imperial Army, and um, I was painting the cultists today. And the whole narrative started to come into my head, which is really unpolished. But if you're interested, I'll share share it now. Yeah, go. So I had a colour scheme in my head of a sort of Carrack stone cloth with a brown armour plate. So quite dirty, quite easy to do. Um, And I was painting the cultists today in the the brown that I was going to use, which is dryad bark and then gawthor with Bane Blade and a bit of Carrick Stone as a highlight. And I thought, um, well, why why would Guardsmen have this kind of colours? And you know, I'm using these colours on my cultists, so would they would they be from the same place? And how would that story pan out? And I created this idea of, of like a mud world where there's rare materials, like minerals, in this mud that is they have to cut through and sift and then silt through and then sort of almost pan this material out. Um, so it's a really like grimy, horrible place to live. And it produces really robust, um, but quite dour um, guardsmen. And Obviously, when it comes to the Imperial world, guard, guardsmen come in tithes, which is quite an interesting part of the Imperial Guard that I think some people miss, is that the Imperial Guard are actually often the elite of a planet. Yes. Because they create um, sort of recruitments of um, PDF to defend the planet, and the best of those get elevated to guardsmen, formed into units, and and sent out to join the Imperial Guard. Um, so they're often actually like the best of an intake. So, which is quite interesting, really, because you you know you we often think of the Imperial Guard as like you know the worst, <laughs> and they're really not. Um, these guys, when you think about what they've gone through, what they do, uh, you know all the training they've had, which is quite substantial, a lot of them, and then the training they have in their voyages, which is quite a long voyage, um, they're going to be pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. And I had had this idea of this mud planet being within the control of the Space Wolves, as in, like, the general area that they look after. And um, the Imperial Guard p- parts of their them coming back to sort of restock and see what's happened. And in the time they've been away... Large continents of the place has been corrupted by chaos and the gene stealer cults because they've slowly changed like the emperor into the gods of chaos and worked their kind of evil to convert them before they realised what had happened. It's not evil; it's enlightenment. Yeah, but that's sort of that's how they they almost certainly sell it to these people. Um, and in when you're living in a world where you're panning for bits of gold or silver or whatever out of endless amounts of silt and the mud must be everywhere even in your own house um i would have thought it was quite easy to convince these people um that there is a better way and 
I'm imagining a sort of massive civil war when the guards regiments come back and they're like, no, this is not, this is not what we're fighting for. Um, and they descend on the planet and purify it. And the space walls are involved. And then there's a huge argument about like whether all the people from the planet should be purged and the space will side with them and go, no, I'm, you know, and that's as far as I've got. That's cool. I, um, I'm particularly intrigued to see whether there's like some kind of um, solid national mud wrestling championships. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> um, yeah, it's cool to have a bit of background though, isn't it? Um, and you can start, like, especially like, imagine doing a kill team and then, you know, you can start to think about, well, what's this guy's story? Yeah. So when he was off world, where's he been? What's he seen? Why is something particularly important to him? Yeah. You know, is he one of these people that like, is he a sniper who worships his weapon? Um, you know, and has carried it through thick and thin and all the rest of it. So yeah, I think that's ace and it gives you a good footing to, to take that forward. I was thinking of like some minor conversions as well, like, uh, like rough riders on, on snow skis, that kind of stuff. Yeah, where, where the the soil, the, the the mud is almost in like a perpetual state of snowiness, so they can't drive vehicles over it. They have to sort of um, jets. Well, I don't want to say jet ski, but you know, like you know what I mean, like the snow thingies with the <laughs> doing a really good job of describing it. You know, the snow, the slow sleds. What snowmobiles? Yeah, with the like the the um the big ski at the front. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Right, okay. Those... Really badly described. <laughs> that would be good. And you could get, um, like, although I do prefer the Torox with wheels, arguably it with tracks would be more suitable for such yeah. terrain. Yeah. Um, but you could, yeah, you could get a few of them, um, you know, and do that regiment. And then, then you could do your tanks as a totally different regiment. Yeah, yeah, th- th- yeah. That's exactly what I was going to do. So the the actual army is is going to have like chimeras, obviously, because that was part. Of, but the actual tanks are going to be from a tank regiment because tanks per se do not suit this world at all. They just get bogged down and stuck. So um, and so do walkers. So I'm I- I'm playing around with the idea, but I'm. I think it'd be cool if you took some, if you took something like the Torox, maybe. I had a look around. I mean, it's always difficult, isn't it, when you have a look around at third-party sites because you have to consider where you're going to want to use the army. Yeah. But it would be nice, instead of Chimeras, to make, like... I'm sure I've seen it. In fact, I think it was in the Armies, Legions and Hordes book. Make, like, Cargo 8s. Use the Orc truck as a basis and make, like, Cargo 8s. So, like, lorries that carry the men because they'll be lighter than, than Chimeras. Well, I was thinking of of actually going a little bit f- different from that and creating grav tanks. Grav tanks? Yeah, like really simplistic grav tanks. Well, okay. Fair and make enough. it so like the mineral that they're pulling out of this planet is one of the key components of grav plates. Hmm. And have like a, a skid on the front but with like a grav plate at the back, so it hovers along, so the weight isn't on the floor. Yeah, okay. Or, or... Hovercraft. Hovercraft, yeah. Like the, the new, um, 
Imperial, uh, the Admech ones. Yeah. Ah, you know, if I put those, like, balloony like things around the edge of a chimera, it would probably look awful, but I'm, I'm playing with the idea. I could, having said that, there's absolutely no reason why I can't get the Admech ones and call them chimeras. Well, no, there isn't. And sort of converted them a bit to have a, that would work. I think that would work. Yeah. There we go. Anyway, that's that's the only thing I've got to say on 40k. Because I <laughs> I've been painting goblins for the last five months, so <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well I think with that in mind then, we will head over to the Mortal Realms and have a little natter of Sigma. Um and hopefully by the time we discuss 40k again, I'll actually have some sort of towel collection going on, other than just one man. Whoop. Whoop. Okay, guys, so um, we will see you through the realm gate. That's Sigmar Lightning, by the way. Excellent. Very good. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mortal Realms. Um, been quite a cool little month on the Mortal Realms front, I thought. Um, have it. I'll get the disappointment out of the way. Um, I was one of the things I was really disappointed at Warhammer Fest was was the Age of Sigma seminar. Actually, I didn't think there was a great deal of new content that was discussed, but we've had new stuff since. So. That's pretty cool, and we're going to try to talk our way through them. So, where do you want to start, Dan? Is there anything particular you want to go with for first, or should we just try and rattle away? That awesome Storm Vault. The Storm Vault scenery. scenery. Yes. That is incredible. You know, I saw that um, and stood and watched him mess around with it at Warhammer Fest, and was very impressed with it and all excited, but I was never going to buy it got to be honest but it didn't didn't really interest me enough to buy it um until i saw um more hammers two boxes of the stuff filling a four by four bolt board <laughs> I know. and like the f- five or six different variations he had of it and i, I that was me I, I thought wow that that's really yep. awesome actually I, I really like the idea of combining that with some of the ruined bits all over it and make and doing like a skirmish game over it of like adventurers going in to you know yeah. investigate it. Oh and then they could have to find entry and when they find entry you could use the tiles and shit from Silver Tower or Hammerhow. Yes. To explore the vault. Oh this is a good idea. Can you if only I had time to follow that through. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when uh, we get Age of Sigma role playbook? Oh, it's going to be amazing! I, I'm really sorry because I always forget the chap's name, but the 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 dude who built them or designed them was um was doing Twitter posts all about like the details of them and and how how he designed them, why they designed them that way. They were really really good. Really, really good. Um, and the, the thought process that's gone into them is, was really, really interesting. Uh, do you remember he did the same for um, 
the Mechanicum stuff and how to fit them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'm really surprised they haven't been picked up, compiled into a article and put on Warhammer Community. Yeah. It does surprise me that. Actually, me too. Because they are really... I, I, I save, like, countless numbers of those posts as, like, PDFs and, and JPEGs to try and create my own, like, document on how to use the Storm Vault scenery. So. So segue. Yeah, I love it, mate. I think it's really nice, and I like that the Penebral engine or whatever it yeah. is looks really cool in on top of the sort of round one. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, thought almost like the two were designed to go together. Who knows? <laughs> um, so, of course, the Storm Vault scenery is part of the Forbidden Power um, expansion, which is. Um, Effectively, the next step forward on on the story for Age of Sigmar, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, which is and sorry, no, go you go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say it adds in another level of um, fractures behavior, I suppose, between the original pantheon. Yeah, and from right back doesn't at the dawn it? of time as well. Yeah. So when when you read the books, like originally. There was, I thought this, there was this sense of like Sigma was like the golden entity that brought all these people together and um, created the Pantheon and even managed to get Gork and Walker on side. Um, and then it all went wrong and Nagash was a tool and the whole thing fell apart and Gork and Walker decided he'd rather just hit stuff in the face and the Pantheon fell to pieces. But the more you go through the storyline, actually Sigmar isn't the golden boy he was made out to be in a lot of ways. He's he's no. a lot more human, and I like that. I like that he's more human. He's not evil. He's just different than... Well, he's, he's human. He has those human fallacies. Um, like coming across artifacts and people and creatures and things that he thought was so powerful that no one should have them because no one else could be trusted and sticking them in storm vaults. Yep. And then corrupting Teclis's, um knowledge-giving machines via Dwarven fiddlery to blank people's memories so they're never found again. <laughs> Until now. Um, which is 101 of the storyline for Forbidden Power. Essentially, it, it's, a, it's a campaign box which um, outlines campaigns, gives you a few more options to take, which I haven't got the book um, to read them out, but a few more options to take in army builds. Um, one of them being um, Lady Orlanda having her own kind of, as a Mortark, having her own sort of force with um, essentially what my understanding is that she, the, the rules for that kind of night, night haunt force just saps morale out of everything. So low, low morale armies, beware. <laughs> um, because <laughs> you will just go. <laughs> You'll be disappearing off the table. So my iron jaws are going to do great. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Swamp them with goblins. Yes. Yeah, stab them. Stab them in the nuts. It's the best way forward. <laughs> I was going to say the knees, but that's uh, you go for it. Absolutely. Back, backstabbing. Great. Um, so um, I love... I do, I do like the models for the 
the spells. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though that the the little the little floating pyramid triangle things do look like they're just the ones from Shade Spire. Well, I haven't actually put them side by side to see. Well, no, neither have I. But I'm just recalling that out of my brain from a, an observation I made. So I, I could be. They might wrong. well be the same thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I love the boatman. He's fantastic, isn't he? He is excellent, and he's good in the game. And there's a company that have made a movement tray, two movement trays, in fact, where you put him in the middle, and then you can put either 25 mil or 32 mil bases in all the other slots, and it makes sure that all the people that you've set up there are within the three inches of him that they need to be. Oh, that's quite a cool idea. And then you can move that tray across the table in one go, because that's how he works. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite a cool idea, actually. And it stops arguments as well, because it it clearly defines how many people fit in that area. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that so they've yeah. worked it out, so they've, they've fit, fitted the optimum number in. Yeah, There's yeah. now going to be people there trying to fit more in. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea, that. I just quite like that. Yeah, I do as well. I like gimmicky things like that, though. Yeah, but if you're playing in a tournament, you, the last thing you want to be doing is faffing around with that, making sure everyone thinks in three inches or something. Yeah. Don't you? So that, that's a really cool sort of quick way of dealing with the problem. So, uh, for me, the model's great, the rules, I don't play enough games to be really excited about them, but they they read well, um, which is cool. Uh, I'm really excited about the, the story moving forward. So, um, the, the arc in the book is that, or the campaign that you're playing, is that a specific Storm Vault has been found that contains a old ally slash general slash really important VIP um, for Nagash and he sends Lady Orlando on like a dedicated mission to get them back um, and of course Sigma sends a unit of Stormcast and whatnots to, to stop it from happening and I believe fail so whatever this thing is this entity is that is never really revealed is um, is there on the cards now was it you that suggested it might be Setra? No. Somebody said that to me. But that's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's the really obvious answer, which often ends up being. <laughs> For me, the fact that the storyline is moving forward, and in like five or ten years' time, we'll be remembering these these things that developed yeah. the background for Age of Sigma. Yeah. Because for, Forbidden Power as a box set with rules and all that will probably be the way of the dodo by that point um but the background that is being plugged into age of sigma that is laying that layered tapestry of of story that won't go anywhere which is really cool really really cool yes it is very cool um so i'm just thinking pulling through my hair what else we may or may not have seen well, not really, may not. There's not a lot to talk about there, is there? Stupid thing to say. Um, well, we haven't seen the Sylvaner. We have not seen the Sylvaner. But we technically 
have. We technically haven't, but we have. Oh yeah, because the book was accidentally put up for sale, wasn't I, it? I believe so. That's the the story that the book the book okay. made its way onto um, the uh, iTunes iPlayer, whatever the however the people download the digital copy of those, those things, and yeah. so it's been out there and people have read it and broken it down. In fact, okay. Spruce and Bruce did a really good breakdown of it because one of them is a Sylvaneff player and disassembled it perfectly. I thought. Um, Given really good sort of thoughts on all of the different elements of it, um, which I wouldn't even dream of trying to replicate because I a don't play Sylvaneth and b I'm not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it sounded cool, you know. The the a lot of the sort of noise that people were making was the you know the less wild words, less mobility, etc., etc. From what you know, the, the Spruce and Bruce were saying that not true actually. There's lots of ways of creating wildwoods, and there are lots of ways the army is mobile, even possibly more mobile than they used to be, because um, some units can just do it now, um, yeah, uh, rather than relying on the wildwoods. Uh, and there's some really cool stuff, like some of the buffs that they. I think he got, I think he got, Spirit of Dirthu up to nine attacks or something ridiculous, <laughs> like <laughs> with the buffs. So. Uh, and he can with with uh, attack first and then withdraw. And if you put him in a group of tree men, they can do like a stomp move that fifty fifty allows stops a unit from being able to or forces a unit to fight last. So, you know, theoretically, with three tree men and or two tree men and Durthu, you could stop everybody from fighting before you've all hit and then hit them. And the spirit of Durthu can withdraw, um, and whatever's left gets to have a pop at the. The two, the two tree, tree lords. So you know things like that. It sounds dirty as hell. And um, what's cool about it is, by the sound of it, it gives you a lot more viable options for the Sylvaneth that there weren't ready before. Um, so we're going to see a variety of Sylvaneth armies. I, I hope now, rather than like the current builds. Um, and also the revenants have gotten a lot better. So lots of cool stuff there. Yep. And hopefully they'll arrive at some point. Um, Wood Elves have joined us in Blood Bowl. Yes. Well, they haven't joined us, actually, have they? They've been previewed. They look cool. I. They'll be good fun. Yeah, I really like them. Really, really like them. I think they're a fantastic reimagining of the originals. Hmm. Definitely. I don't like them anywhere near as much as the Halflings, though. Ha! I just no. absolutely adore the With Halflings. their pasties and... Yeah. Baguettes, yeah, and like, yeah, they're excellent, aren't they? Yeah, I just can't get over how much I love them. I was devastated by the halflings. Actually, I'm gonna, gonna, I honestly looked on the website for those halfling hot pot and chef like two or three times the week they were out, and I could not find them. Now, perhaps that's my own ineptitude, but they would they were not in new releases. Either in the Age of Sigma... Well, I kept looking at the Age of Sigma one. So they might have been somewhere else. New, They might have been in new releases for Blood Bowl, I guess. I'd, you know, in the box game section. But I couldn't find them. And then on the Sunday, I thought, I'm going to have one last go. And they'd stopped selling them. I, I was pretty cross. I was pretty cross. I had to Google search Halfling Hot Pot in Google. And it brought up the page on... I should have done that from the outset. I just wasn't 
dedicated enough, I guess, but I am devastated I missed those because I really wanted those. They've, I've always wanted those ever since I first saw them and they were in the first book I ever got for Warhammer. So that's my moan of the day. That was, <laughs> I was gutted by that. I got in a right old Paddy Ash down. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. It's one less, one less on the pile. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. But these options don't come around very much. And I, I genuinely, there's a little part of my heart that hopes that when Games Workshop does eventually manage to expand its production, that there is going to be a well, two things. I really hope they do. The first one is a website that has good pictures of their entire back catalogue so that people who who pick them up from jumble sales or you know, whatever, they're not relying on third-party websites to try and identify their products. I think that would be really cool because I know Games Workshop must have photographs of all of these and if they don't, then they can photograph the ones from their library. Um, but also, I'd love to see the, these made-to-orders actually exist again in a in a kind of production line kind of sense um more often because i'm just gutted that i i missed that and i'm now gonna have to search around on ebay and get a much lower quality version of them Mm. anyway that's my hope i you know I, i did actually put one of those things in the community survey that they you know the the older models came back to made to order um, it's probably completely financially unviable, which is a shame. Anyway, a completely off topic on Age of Sigmar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Wood Elves, really like them. What was next? Yeah, I like them. and They'll be quite a fun team. Um, Fast and fragile. Lots of hopping, skipping, passing, no hitting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there'll be a couple that can hit. Well, they um, must be able to take the Tree Man as well. They always used to be able to. Surely. Maybe. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? Would make sense. Yeah. I like the halflings have got a squirrel to aid them. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. That's enough to to uh, make you get them, isn't it? Yeah. If you need... There's a squirrel on the tree moon as well. And a woodpecker. Oh. <laughs> it's like a little colony of them. Um, so what else have we had? We've done a much worse job than this because this was my section to sort out. And I've missed missed the opportunity to to gather a list. Um, are, are you sure there is? Oh, Warcry. Warcry, yes, of course, Warcry. We've seen the the uh, Corvus Cabal, which is by a country mile my favourite one so far. Absolutely love them. In fact, I'm thinking of buying a box set just so I can cut them up and use the ravens to put on space wolves. What? Why? Why do you want ravens on your space wolf? Because space wolves have ravens, dude. Oh, right, okay. Oh, I suppose they do have the chooser of the slain thing, don't they? Yeah, they have loads of... like Ravens are like a massive part of their background because it's a massive part of like Viking mythology. Got Moonin and Hugin, who were the ravens of Odin, used to fly out into the world and observe things and then bring back the news to, to um, Odin. Oh, so, so they were a huge part of Viking mythology. So they they they're kind of in the space wolf background. Like um, Neil Stormcaller has a cyber raven, always yes. has done. Um, 
Yeah. Some great conversions done out there. In fact, uh, uh, Ian Craig did a great kill team with one. I think the Sniper had the Raven as a kind of like second set of eyes. And, um, of course, Tommy Saul's done his librarian with a Raven as well. Um, so, yeah, I think ra- Ravens and Spacewolves I really like the idea of. Yeah. Quite a lot. No, that's good. And I'm with Warcry, I'm absolutely loving how diverse the warbands are. Yeah, I'm quite interested to see them, actually. Because... Um, Potentially going up to the Age of Sigmar Open Day, aren't yes. we? Yeah. Um, which will have um, will have Warcry available to play for the first yeah. time. Yeah. So really interested to find out what that's like. Yeah. I was really worried right when they were talking about Warcry that it was just going to be it was just going to be chaos, and it has just been chaos, but it's been different chaos. Mm. Like a different take on chaos completely, um, and I re- I really like it. I really like it. I mean, the, those cor- that Corbus Cabal really captured me. Um, the the metal ironclad dudes, the same again. You know, they just they're so different from any of the other chaos they've released that I think I think they're just an interesting model to paint, if nothing else. No. Uh, yeah, it will be good. It will be good to to try the different ways to paint. I think I'm just interested to see how it plays. I have to be honest, and this will probably change, but I'm tempted to leave it for someone else to get and then play their copy for a bit. Um, yeah, unless it's amazing, you know, I might be like, oh, this is this is groundbreaking. Must have it, or well, it'll have a Citadel logo on, won't it? So I'll probably want it. Um, I think one of the things about it that we haven't seen is what it's going to be like in its entirety. Yeah. So by that, I mean, I'm assuming that this is going to be um, released in a box set. Well, I was to start with. Um, but now there's four gangs. And from the original videos, there is a there are quite a bit of scenery in those videos. Um, so if what's going to be in the starters box set? Or, or are these gangs that we're seeing not going to be in the starters box set. Have we, have we yet to see the starters box set? Are these gangs like extras that you, you know, buy into afterwards? I, we don't really have a clue what Warcry as an offering looks like yet, do we? No. No, not at all. We've All we've really seen is, is the warbands, isn't it? Yeah, the individual components. Um, yeah. I mean, theoretically, if we're talking about a £100 box with four warbands and a bunch of scenery and the rules, that's a bargain in its own right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, if you're if you're a chaos undivided player, you could paint the warbands up and stick them in as cultists or what have you, or you know, use them for for Age of Sigma in a in a different way, or you know, use some of them as as sorcerers or yeah, just thought thinking out loud. I don't think we really have any idea what it's going to look like at the moment, which is quite interesting considering how much has been released about it. I feel like. Most of what comes out for Age of Sigmar and like the sneak peeks has been Warcry for quite a while now. So, I think that's everything for Mortal Realms. I feel like there must be other stuff. Probably, that we're missing. Oh, that's right. Gladeguard are going to go up in points. There's a resounding cheer from quite a few people then. No. <laughs> I'll just throw that in there for Dan. He's told me our friendship is over if they go up in points. Has he really? 
Yeah, because that was like I gave feedback, didn't I? That I thought the Glade Guard were over <laughs> overly good. Um and uh, and now if they are in any way made worse, I am in trouble. It might be made worse on the back of a massive great big elf release where he no longer cares. Yeah, that'd be good. See, I so talking about the Age of Sigmar open day, kind of thinking that Warcry it's going to be pretty dominated by Warcry. Yeah, I should imagine so. I should imagine Which, so. It's a bit sad because I'd like to see what else was coming in the Mortal Realms next. Uh, well, but, you never know. I like it's like I said to you the other day. Um, the the things with these seminars is that it's often the things you didn't see coming that really that really are the exciting thing. Yeah, you know, every time that I've been really blown away by a a, a a release or a sneak peek is is the stuff that we've never speculated, and that's kind of quite natural, I suppose. When the Deepkin came out, I just absolutely blew my mind because I I wasn't expecting that at all. Um. And the same with the Pelennor Fields. We had a little bit of an idea they were coming out, but to see what you got in the box set was really exciting. But like, and when the Daughters of Cain, Daughters came. of Cain, that's another really good example. Um, and at Warhammer Fest, it was the Hobbit holes. They kept the, the whole Hobbit thing came out of nowhere, and it, it was just fantastic. And it, that was really excited me because I didn't expect to see them at all. They'd been, I mean, you wouldn't have expected them to go from Pelennor Fields to the scouring of the shire that would that doesn't make but they have and they, yeah oh there is something that we completely forgotten and how could we possibly forget we have now got a model for gotrek from the age of sigma oh yeah and i think he's a belter i think he's absolutely brilliant and i think i said it on the podcast when we were reading the book, I really hope they do a model for him, and there he is, like absolutely fantastic. He is lovely, isn't he? He's really good. I'm gonna get a sound bite of the Gotrex alive, and if I ever have him in my army, I'm just gonna play it every time he hits someone. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? That'd is the question. <laughs> it's, like, it's really cool, and they've announced the second book for for that series, or second audio book for that series. Um, mm-hmm. so, which is, which is really awesome because, um, that means that Brian Bress had enjoyed himself and is in it for the ride. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Which is, which is excellent news, really. Um, yeah. So I will be buying that as soon as I, that is released, that is happening because I just, Gotrek is just such a character. Yes, he is. I think Gotrek is probably a great, point to leave it on yes yeah move on to the community section so guys we will catch you in the community hail glorious community we've always got to start with a mighty hail ben even if i am very much in danger of falling asleep in the middle of the segment. <laughs> um, saving up my energy for a mighty hail. So, guys, um, welcome to the community section. Um, 
great if you've uh, if you've made it this far with us. Um, Dan really nearly sorry didn't. that we're down. To- <laughs> no, I nearly didn't. Yeah, really sorry we're down to monthly at the minute. Um, but really appreciate the uh, messages of support um, that we've had with that decision, and we're we're going to keep thinking about it and thinking about what works and what doesn't. Um, big change coming for me. We're going back to work shortly. Um, with uh with having uh hannah now so we'll see how that goes but um what is wonderful to see is the community is as lively as ever in the uh in the group forum so really chuffed about that thank you for that um and on that note i'm gonna break with ben's mojo because ben always starts with the shout outs um and i'm gonna do competition winner because i'm really excited because the chat that's won this month um has entered every month so far an excellent miniature each time and just about been pipped to the post. So uh, Ben Chambers, congratulations, buddy. Um, really great to see your avatar win for Elemental. Um, it's really cool conversion. Yeah, it was. Really cool miniature. Um, and I've seen it sat in your cabinet since, um, well, since I've known you, I think. So it's been great to see it actually get painted. Um and I'm very excited by what I've seen you paint in, uh, paint in this for this month's, which um, is Hero of Legend. So that's any Hero of Legend, really, um, from Lord of the Rings, 40k, Age of Sigmar, whatever, um, historical character, if you want to, um, any of that. I will put a separate post up. I realise I, I announced it as part of the voting post. Um, so I'll put a separate post up, start gathering some, uh, some entries, but it's really nice to see sort of, uh, 12 to 15 entries each month. So thank you for that guys. And they're really um, good quality entries as well. I mean, guys, you're yeah, really knocking yeah. it out of the park with some of this stuff. Yeah, which is good. Um, so yeah, that's uh, our competition winner. That's, I'm really excited to have said that. So, uh, Ben, do you wish to do some shout outs? Yeah, I think in a break with a bit of tradition as well. So normally we shout out in Instagram stuff. Um, I am going to shout out a couple that I've seen over, um, the last couple, couple of weeks. What I tend to do with this is look back through the messages I send down. Anything that's blown my nut when I'm looking through Instagram, I tend to immediately message down and go, Dan, look at this. Um, so I'll go back through a couple of those, but to start with, um, I've had the last week off, um, and as a result, other than painting a gazillion goblins, have listened to, um, quite a few podcasts. So, um, aside from the, the, the Stormcast and, uh, Voxcast, which, um, goes from strength to strength, I think, um, I've had some really cool guests on, um, Kevin Chin, I think, has been a standout recently. Was just filled with energy, um, and really fun to listen to, and must be an absolute hoot to work with. Um, his sort of conversation on um, painting and the artwork for for Age of Sigma literally was a philosoph- philosophical um, whirlwind that actually just sat le- left me sitting there thinking about the whole hobby in a different way, actually. So that's well worth listening to. Um, but aside from the Games Workshop ones, um, we had the absolute pleasure of bumping into um, Clint from uh, Heralds of War, who uh, is the tournament, or- tournament organiser, has the accolade of running the biggest Age of Sigma tournament yet. 
um, and it still holds the record, um, although I'm sure with the way the hobby is going, um, that's going to just get smashed every six months, I'd have thought, to be honest, Dan. Um, Quite possibly by Clint. Yes. And uh, anyway, I, as a result, I've I've listened to their the podcast um, intermittently um, over the last six six months but i downloaded the last four episodes and listened to them back to back and they're absolutely brilliant um and a really good sense of humor so if you're interested in seeing how things are done on the other literally the other side of the planet um then you can't go far, far wrong with the heralds of war um and the sticker clint is on my recording box now so i found a place for it it's going to be permanently part of the podcast um Second one. I've been rocking my t-shirt constantly. It's like my fashion statement. I don't think I've actually taken it off this week. I know that's disgusting. (laughs) That is horrendous. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I've got that is horrendous. (laughs) It's possibly if it turns up back at Clint's house, it's possibly walked there by itself. Oh no! I I wear it and then it gets washed and then as soon as I see it in the washing pile, it goes back on again. Um, Goes back on again. So it's um, yeah, it's kind of my when um. I went round to Chris's, um, uh, the family went round, um, and Betty, his little daughter, who's the sort of same age as Joshua, so she's almost three, she saw that t-shirt and she was like, uh, there's a fiery dragon. There's a fiery... Why is it eating the scary things? Because <laughs> it's got the night haunt, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's um, basically Pac-Man for Age of Sigma, really. Yeah, so that was quite funny. I like that. Um, second podcast I'd like to shout out is, um, Sprues and Brews. So, um, I've been hearing a lot about them over the last, well, quite a long time now, actually, but never actually had a chance to sit down and listen to them. Um, they are now plugged in as a regular for me, um, because they were genuinely fun to listen to and really knowledgeable guys. So I would very much recommend, um, giving them a listen to. So... Um, there, oh, there we go. My two podcast shout outs. Instagram wise, um, there's two I'd like to shout out. So let me just bring my digital device online. Gothic Army is the first one on Instagram. Um, and he has produced probably my favorite bloodthirster I have ever seen. It's really, really good. It's got like a deep glow coming from the inside. So it looks very balroggy, I suppose, Dan. I think mm. would probably the best way to describe it. But it, it's just a it's just brilliant. Um I love the fact that his sort of it's, it's the Forge World one. All of his skin is glowing and sort of looking like there's a deep heat, but his armour just looks cold steel. Um, which is probably my favourite feature of it actually. Um and the second one I'd like to shout out is um, for a unit of Stormcast that I really like Stormcast that managed to sort of bridge that gap between looking absolutely perfect and too scruffy. I think there's a great sort of um, middle ground to walk there. Um, And I'm going to get this wrong, I think, the way to pronounce it, but Samson Osman, Osmas, all one word, Samson Osmas, on Instagram, um, so S A M S O N O S M A S, and his recent post of Stormcast just absolutely blew my mind. Green and cream, 
he's carved off the detail on the shields and freehanded a design on that I'd have never come up with that design, Dan. Yeah. In a month of Sundays. So cool. And it's really, really good. Um, and of course, to, to make him even more perfect, he's used a couple of Space Wolf heads, which just is the way forward as far as I'm concerned. Um, what, dead on the bases? <laughs> no. Um, so there's those two. And the final one is uh, the Secret Workshop. I don't know if um, any of you were keeping the tabs on the Golden Demon, um, but the Secret Workshop, the underscore secret underscore workshop, um, uh, Maxime Penaud. Um And if I just absolutely in love with that troll from um, the Slayer Sword winner. Um, it's obvious it's going to be good because it won the Slayer Sword, but he's done some really cool stuff with it that I hadn't really thought to ever do. So from the front, he's done... Other than the fact mm. it's converted in the most insanely awesome way, because it's so subtle, you can't tell that it's a conversion, but it is. I mean, sculpting skills are phenomenal. But he's done it with a warm light from the front and a cold light from the back. So he's highlighted it in two different ways, and it's oh, it's so good, Dan. Uh, <laughs> anyway... The Secret Workshop, of course, as soon as I saw the Slayer Sword, I was like, or the model, I have to follow this guy, and I've been following him since. And he's broken down a lot of how he's done some stuff and his thought process on the page. Um, So if you're interested and you haven't, and you're interested in model painting, just go over and follow it, have a look, because um, even just the sort of work-in-progress shots of that Slayer Sword winner is... um, is well worth the effort to go and seek out because there's some seriously cool conversion work done there, um, and that's that's my that's my shout out, Dan. Very good, very good. Um, so as ever, I've had a look through the hobby uh, page, um, and I'm really sorry if I miss you out and you've done something awesome. I try and comment, and Ben tries to comment um, as much as we can because we do look. All the time. Um, definitely always look all the time. And I love it. I really like seeing it all. So um, things that caught my eye this uh, over the last couple of weeks. Rich Nutter's done one of the new pieces of scenery. Not only has he done it really quick, but he's done it in like this sort of emerald marbly looking colour. Yeah. And I flipping love it, mate. I really like it. Yeah. Um, I, I really like to the point where I was like, hmm. I might need to do that. Um, so, Ian Cox, I'm really sorry, Ian, but you're going to have to leave uh, the group because you've done a Space Wolf wolf thing. Yeah. It looks like. So, a Cyber Wolf. Um, it looks awesome, so, Ian. Yeah. You don't listen to anyway. him. Um, <laughs> um, Henry Steele is bombarding us with some awesome-looking Titanicus stuff. Uh, I really like it, man. That it that picture so where cool. everyone had lined up their titans, I was like, oh, my days! Yeah, it's good, isn't it? <clears throat> it's good, so thanks for that. Um, and there was something else that I was going to talk about. That's right. It's... Um, I say that's right, and I haven't even found it yet. Oh, yeah. James's Knights. James Cheese writes Knights. Yeah, they are really, really good, James. 
They are really good. And people in their flipping nights, every time <laughs> I put up a post about, you know, I've done this or I'm doing that, people will put a night and I'm like, oh, I just love them, man. I love the back. I was telling Dan Wosley about them yesterday and he was like, well, so what are they? Are they piloted? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they're piloted. And I was like, okay, so what? Why? And I was like, well, they're, they're knights. He was like, what do you mean they're knights? I was like, they're knights. They're like literal they're knights. And it's like Bretonians in space. And he was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, they're cool. Um, so yeah, very nice. And oh my goodness, what is it? With Sean and the ability to just paint three million different things a month, I, it's it's um I I don't know time time warp. <laughs> time warp. It, it's quite impressive actually. He painted the first model on his hobby page within twenty four hours. It's like I know, I know. I was like, I reckon he's got them all done in a box. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, for, actually, I don't know. Actually, I was going to say he needs to post pictures of uh, of it before he does it, but I think he does. Yeah, I I think I've seen that. I've seen yeah at the pictures. start of the month. That's why, yeah, yeah, that's why the ideas popped into my head. Yeah, there it is. Oh no, that's the end of the month. Hmm. He does do it. Yeah. Um, something else I've seen as well was, uh, and I'm just gonna find. Oh, that's right, Simon Andrews's Gandalf. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah, it's really, really good. Like and this I'm, whole Lord of the Rings stuff, man, is is really awesome. Like genuinely yeah. good. Um, like Cavanagh or Warhammer World, good. Yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? So, I think I said to him, he gets a bonus point for quoting Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, just because I think that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I I just think that's great. And not done enough. I, There's not enough Lord of the Rings quoting going on. No. No, there is not. Need to add some more in. Um, and I could shout out this this person here who who carved out the front of of all the legs on these spiders, but he's clearly a muppet. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was that about? I forgot about the spiders. Oh my days! Yeah. That was. I crazy. wonder what that would look like if I did that. Oh, that looks good. Oh, now I have to do it on the whole lot. <laughs> It does look infinitely better, though. Yeah, I know, but it was totally unnecessary. But there we go. No, it wasn't unnecessary, because it looked rubbish. Um, and and last but no, no means least, Ian, Craig, I hope you've had a good weekend um, at the GT. Yeah. Your stuff looks flipping ace. Um, and your again, work rate is some, ridiculous. I was, was going to say, someone else that, that pumps the stuff out and at a high quality, so... Good for you, buddy, because that's just awesome stuff. So looking forward to some photos, hopefully, um, of how you get on and what you come up against. Um, yeah, so so let us know. Um, if you haven't already by this point, you are, you know, you're always communicating. So that's great. Thank you for that. Um, so we're going to cover off a few events. Yeah. So uh, really, guys, we're just accessing Facebook and looking at what people have got up. Um, just to try and communicate it a bit more. Obviously, by all means, follow the links and jump on there. Um, starting out up in Bristol. So big, um, really ramp, rank, uh, right, ramping up the events in big. So, um, Summertide's 40k tournament. That's on June the 16th. Um, usually quite, quite a popular one. Uh, 
Big Day Out, which is the Middle Earth, um, on the 22nd of June. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool um, to see a Middle Earth event. Um, yeah, it really is, actually. Today's. There's uh, still got the X-Wing events running um, up there. And then, again, we, we mention this each time, um, but the Roll Dice Gaming is almost upon us now, so that's the 6th of July. Um, must be 6th and 7th, surely. Yeah, it's a whole weekend. weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crikey, that's not far uh, away now. That's only a month. No, it's really close, really close. So, um, July the fourteenth, Warhammer Under- Underworld's Night Vault Q three Championship, also at big, and July the twenty second, Super Saga Tournament, the Age of Magic. So, Ooh. this is um, this is the new, the new and improved saga. Um, with the extra stuff in, so, and then there is a Kings of War tournament on the twenty seventh of July. Um, cool. So that's a that's sort of a month preview um, for big, and then Terra Games. So this is down in Newton Abbott. Really worth visiting Terra Games. Um, not that it isn't worth visiting big, of course it is. Um, however, I, I don't get to go to Terra very often. I've been there once and was really impressed, particularly. If you want to play uh, like a role-playing game or something, they've got a room specifically set up for that. Um, in fact, they might even have two. And uh, that was quite inspirational and has given me some thoughts about uh, a large garden and a log cabin kit. Um, <laughs> it's part of my future. Um, well, £10,000, mate. You get one with four rooms. So, yeah. Oh, it's just £10,000. Yeah, well, it's only, it's only money. Right? Actually, really, for like an extension on the house, that's not bad. No, exactly, exactly. So, um, Terranian Open War is on tomorrow. Um, so you'd love to get your skates on for that. Um, <laughs> well, tomorrow will be like after we've recorded. Before we've recorded. True. You will have to get your DeLorean out to go for that. Um, that's fine, though. You know, we can do it. Science fiction lovers, all of us. Um, core set pre-releases. Now, you're going to have to bear with me. You can tell I'm just reading off. because I have no idea what core set that is. Do you know, Ben? No. Nope. Magic the Gathering. There you go. Core set pre-release. Magic the Gathering. Anybody that's into Magic the Gathering will have been like, what an idiot. <laughs> 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 oh, talking of Magic the Gathering, they're doing a film, a series actually. A series, a series, yeah. That's quite exciting, I isn't know. it? That is quite exciting because I do like, um, I, I read a couple of books set in um, Ravnica. Really? And yeah, and they, and they were really good. Really liked them. So, yeah, that's. That's quite cool. Well, I'm more excited now than I was when I saw it. I was kind of mixed yeah. excitement, mixed gutted that it wasn't the Mortal Realms, but you know, can't win every battle. No, it'll come. It'll come one day. When it's like three big brands in the world, like Coca-Cola, Lego, and Games Workshop. <laughs> That'll be it then, isn't it? Coca-Cola. <laughs> Pepsi, man. Come on. No, dude. No. Do you know what happened? I'm sorry, I have to interrupt. This is dreadful. I went to one of those Coca-Cola vending machines where the little arm comes up and takes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? 
I put my money in. This happened today. And I pressed the buttons for a bottle of Fanta. Definitely. And the bloody thing went up and took a bottle of cherry cola. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're taking the mick. What is this? So, yeah. Um, I wasn't impressed by that. No. But anyway, so, so that's Terra Games. So... Let's uh, you go now. Yeah, go, I'm, go, go. I'm going to do Curtain Games. Um, Curtain Games is up in Crediton near Exeter. Um, fantastic venue, um, running some really superb events. They've also got a role playing room, so it seems to be like a a, a thing that's, um, that's sort of all uh, modern forward thinking venues are doing because actually board gaming and role playing are, are finding their feet just as much as war gaming is as well. So um, it's a really cool place. Yeah. Um, with like a, a great kind of loft to do all their events in, um, and a podcasting studio if you fancy doing that. But uh, they have been running um, some pretty cool events this weekend, actually, Dan. So there's been uh, Learn to Play the New Star Wars Outer Rim Game by um, uh, Fantasy Fight Games, which I got to be honest, I didn't know anything about until I read that about half an hour ago. Um, and also, the Age of Sigmar Slow Growth Forbidden Power campaign started um, on the 9th, which will be tomorrow when we're recording this, but uh, the Sunday before this is released. So that's quite interesting. Um, and then going through, we've got um, the Warhammer Conflict 4, uh, Conflict 4, Catonian Conflict 4, which is a Warhammer 40k tournament on the 22nd of June. Um, Keep Calm and Reroll, a Star Wars Destiny League. Um, which is on the 28th of June. Um, and then Star Wars Destiny Infinite and Standard Tournaments on the 29th. So a little weekend of that then. Um, on July the 6th, an Age of Sigma 16 Challenge 2. Um, and then July the 13th, the Catacombs of Curtain, which is the Warhammer Underworlds, um, tournament. So they run really good Warhammer Underworlds stuff, established very quickly, quite a regular group of guys that go and do it. And, um, Marcus, one of our guys who turns up to painting night every week with us, goes and loves it every time. So if you're in the area and like Underworlds, that's a really good place to go for it. Um, keep calm and read all the Destiny League continues on um, June the 28th. Um, oh, I've already done that one, sorry. So July the 20th is Curtain Game Star Wars Legion Rally Point Qualifier. Um, so their uh, Legion stuff has been to sort of going, getting headway as well, hasn't it, Dan? They're quite into their Star Wars stuff, is Curtain. Yeah. Well, I think also, like, Curtain obviously are, you're correct, um, and that's great, but the Star Wars stuff is designed with that kind of event play in mind, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yep, it is. Yeah, so... um. June, well, Barb's Model and Games is the next one I'm going to shout out, which are running increasingly more tournaments for Age of Sigmar and 40k. Um, and they will be running, uh, 1k organized 40k game, um, play on the Sunday before this is released as well. Um, so there's no f- future ones planned. They seem to be sort of, um, planned and then done. Um, but they are really good fun, apparently. So really nice atmosphere, really welcoming. Um, 
really lighthearted and just a, a bit of joy. So um, if you are local to Red Ruth, that might well be um, your most most local games venue, really. So worth, worth keeping an eye on you know, their webpage to see what's coming up. Um, and that's Bob's. Okay, so Dark Star Games, which is down underneath the Juries Inn in uh, Plymouth. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So near the near the yes, bombed yes. out church. Um, so tomorrow they're running a trial of champions, um, which is for Warhammer Champions, which loads of people play that now, actually, don't they? Yeah, they seem to sell out of the boxes of cards. That's on in the Sunday before. So July. The seventh is Darkstar Free Age of Sigma event, um, and July the twenty-first is their forty k tournament. So, um, well, one for each of the two. Did you say three? Three, as in the number, or free? Free, as in no cost. Oh, the only thing you need to pay for is the table hire, which is five pound fifty. So, not entirely free. It's a two thousand point Age of Sigma event. Um, the pack oh. will be released a few weeks before the event. Um, so it's just a, it seems like a nice sort of relaxed kind of thing. So not not a proper tournament, but something to get involved in um, if you're into Age of Sigma and just fancy a bit of bit of competitive play, I should think. Um, mm. And there we go. That's our rundown of the local events. Obviously, um, we're smashing our way through the national ones now, the big ones. So um, since we've recorded this, or since we last recorded, you've had the South Coast GT, haven't we? We have. Which, um, by the sounds of the Pro Painter podcast, was really cool. And um, and Bobo, of course, which almost took the title for most um, attend, you know, the biggest Age of Sigma event, but didn't quite make it. Just a saying. So, Clint still holds that one. <laughs> which is a nice segue into our new section, Dan. Pudding Review! Pudding reviews, pudding reviews. So you can hear the energy week, come back into Dan's voice. <laughs> yeah, well, I I do love pudding. So this week's review is regarding the Tim Tam. So the, the Tim, Tim Tam, Tam. <laughs> the Tim Tam, the Tim Tam, all the way from Australia, bought by uh, by Clint over to the two P specifically for a detailed and in depth review <laughs> of the product. <laughs> So, firstly, the packaging. It's brown. And it has the words Tim and Tam on it. So it does actually succeed in telling you that it's a Tim Tam and that it's likely to be chocolate inside. It's a bit boring, though, I thought. It, it, it is a bit boring. It is a bit boring. And it doesn't have made in Cornwall, so it's automatically a bit more shit than other stuff. <laughs> um, so, I'm sorry about that. But, but... But that being aside, when you get past that slightly disappointing exterior... The Audi um, packaging, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 what was it you said to me? You you see the item, and in appearance you think... It's a penguin. What's the big deal about it? It's just a penguin. Yeah. Yeah. But then you eat it. It is not a penguin. Oh, my days! <laughs> so what I can not... talk about is the experience of eating an entire packet within 10 minutes, uh, because they were flipping lovely. <laughs> they really were. 
They were. The chocolatey, biscuity goodness. Oh, my goodness. I know why people emigrate now. Yeah, well, it's worth pointing out that they look identical to a penguin. This has got the two biscuits. It's got the, the, the creamy stuff that goes between the two biscuits, and then they're covered in chocolate in the same way that a penguin is, but taste in no way like a penguin does. Absolutely yummy. I think perhaps they're made of real chocolate, unlike a penguin. Yeah, that, that's probably true. I I actually that. was much better behaved and saved half the packet for my wife and kids. Did they make it to your wife and kids? They absolutely did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> they got home. In, in fairness, they made it home. And then Joe was like, what's this packet here? And I was like, that's just that's Tim Tams. Clint gave me those. Were you not going to give me any? No, no, I was not. They they were for me. So, hang on. They made it home? Yep. When did you eat them? That, that evening. Yep. Well, in front of her? No, no, no. She was just doing something else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's just terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it is. So, shall we rate them then? So, appear- appearance, I'm going to give it a solid three. Yeah. Out of ten. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm going to agree with that. A three. Three out of ten. Yeah, they wouldn't stand out, would they? No. Flat out, if they were on a shelf, I'd miss them. Yeah. Okay. Well, considering packaging is purely supposed to do that job, I think a two. Oh. Oh. I mean, if you put them on the shelf in this country... You'd buy the penguin because it looks better. You would. And you'd be wrong. And you'd know what it was. Yeah. 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 So, so two and a half for packaging out of 10. Right. Okay. Originality. I think it's five because they're basically a penguin in every other way. Yeah. But what, which came first? Oh, I don't know. Don't know. I'm still going to stick with five. Okay. Because it's just two biscuits with some cream and a, it's like a ball bomb with, with a coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but equally, you could describe it as a ball bomb taken to the next level. Spinal tap ball bomb. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Spinal tap ball bomb. <laughs> Taste, I'm going to okay, give so- it a solid nine. Yeah, absolutely. And that's only to leave space, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, in case there's a, there's a Tim Tam, an, another version, like with marshmallow or something thrown into the mix. I'm thinking something along the lines of, like, um, a, a giant Oreo ice cream cookie with a Tim Tam in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I could. No, I can't see that. But it'd be good, though. Yeah, it would be good. Yeah, well, I can see you getting an Oreo cookie ice cream and just smushing a Tim Tam into the middle of it. <laughs> cool. There we go. That's my rate. Solid, solid score there, I think, on taste. Taste just won it. Absolutely amazing, then. Yeah. Hey, Any Anybody that is listening, obviously Clint has already done so, but anyone that is listening um, and has ready access to Tim Tams... And would like to donate some to the two peas cause. <laughs> Please do get in contact. 
we talk a lot about Patreon. <laughs> well, actually, we don't. We, we have talked about Patreon a bit, and we're very grateful for it. They definitely need to do some form of Tim Tam Patreon. Yes. It, what um, we could yeah. do is sort of inundate Clint with orders of Tim Tams. <laughs> Ship yeah. them over in crates. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I haven't looked that up. I'm going to look that up. I might be able to just just ship a whole crate of them. Anyway, while Dan's doing that, we need to decide on a a pudding slash biscuit confectionery to send over to Clint for him and the rest of the Heralds of War team to trial and uh, and give us a vote, a score. Well, we have done. Well, have you sent them over already? No, but we've made a decision. Oh, yes, we have. Yeah, Tunnock's Tea Cakes are heading your way, Clint. Well, we need to ask him for his address first. <laughs> just, yeah, that's true. We'll work it out. Um, shall, so on that, shall we like, just send them to Clint, Australia? 10 Penn Davy Road. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, um, finally, in our community section, most important part for us actually um is our patrons um we have a little patron set up just for people who want to contribute to help us with the running cost of the podcast um which is things like equipment that we need um and uh and the ridiculous cost of some of the subscriptions um and we really really super appreciate everyone who contributes to that um and we are working on ways to um, give something back to you guys. So, um, it's the ground. Did we agree that I shouldn't just call it the Tim Tam Fund? Yeah, we, yeah, we did agree that because it's ridiculous. But okay, if anyone fancies contributing to a Patreon to supply us with Tim Tams for the rest of the year, then we're not going to be too upset about that either. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dan. Shall we head over into the um, uh, Middle Earth? Yes. Unless you're still looking up where to get Tim Tams from. No, well, the phone plays havoc with the thing, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Well, I'll see you on the other side. Hi, guys, and welcome to Middle Earth, um, which we don't normally do. Um, we do it every other time, which is actually a really, really long time um, nowadays because it's a month apart. So it's every two months, which is a bit of a shame. But um, nonetheless, here we are. We're talking about Middle Earth. And I have to say, Dan, that at Warhammer Fest, the Middle Earth seminar was my absolute favourite mm-hmm. out of all of them. It was really, really good. Um, the energy that was in in there, it was a clear, like, genuine love for the universe and what they were doing, um, and we spoke about with the, the um, with Tom and Dan after the you know after the event, the speed of which they seem to have got this next release sort of round done is quite ridiculous. I think he was given a week or two weeks to write the book, yeah, which is which is insane. But I mean, it's not like it's just come out on in isolation. There's some significant like. Um, some significant releases coming with it, I think, you know, for for, for a book. Um, and all at once. It's not like the Pelinor Fields where they were kind of spread out. Um, we found out about them, like drip-fed them, really, weren't we? Mm. Over quite a period of time. Um, with this one, there isn't. So, 
for those who haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, um, it's the scouring of the Shire, which is not really done in the films. It is in the books. Um, Games Workshop have done a scouring of the Shire box sets before with um, a lot of the models were done for it, um, including Sharko and Ruffians and um, a couple of the Hobbits. Sharky, sorry, and, and the ruffians and a couple of the hobbits. Um, but now there's a whole book with an absolute metric ton of scenarios in there um, from from the sort of events that happened in the Scouring of the Shire, which is where um, Saruman basically sort of goes to the Shire and tries to burn it to the ground and does quite a successful job, actually. Um, so what have we got release-wise? We've got the book which looked really cool when they were previewing it at Wormfest. And then we have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Hobbit models, all of which look really, really good. And They do, don't they? They're diff- really nice. Different. Like, and they've all got characters, as in they're properly developed characters, either ones that were mentioned in the book, or as in the Lord of the Rings book, or... Um, actually some that they've kind of made up to fill a gap that have done so in a really kind of um, conscientious way. So obviously they can't just make up Tolkien characters. Games Workshop work alongside House of Tolkien um, with a lot of the stuff they do and obviously New Line Cinema as well. Um, but with the scouring of the Shire, this is an area outside of New Line Cinema, isn't it, Dan? So yeah. it's... um. It will be working alongside the House of Tolkien. Um, and then three ruffian characters, which I think are great. Like, if nothing else, they're great just fantasy models um, for um, role-playing games or whatever. Um, and then finally, for that for that release, there's what I, like I mentioned earlier, just absolutely blew my mind when I saw it. Was the Hobbit Hole? Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on the Hobbit Hole, Dan? I think it's ace. I think it's really cool to have a piece of scenery that encourages a bit of cutting up some foam. Um and it getting stuck in. And getting stuck and and just it It's just good because it does the awkward bit for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does the detail work. So, I think that's just... I just think that's excellent, mate. So, as far as I'm aware, there the pack itself is the door section, which is quite a wide bit with the door, a little kind of circular window, a bit of brickwork and what have you. Um, two chimneys of various sizes. Um, and two windows. I would... Um, is it would be really cool if they did like add-on packs without the door. So if you wanted to make a really big Hobbit hole, yes, you didn't have duplicate doors. But then I suppose you could do little tiny Hobbit holes with with just the door, I guess. But anyway, um, that would be my only thought about it. But I I'm absolutely in love with them. Um, if you have a chance to go on the Warhammer community page and look at the article where. Essentially, they've given these kits to a bunch of people in the studio and what they made with those kits. That That is a really cool just hobby article in its own right, even if you don't like 
Lord of the Rings. But if you don't like Lord of the Rings, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you need help. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. And then what probably one of my character, which I haven't really seen before. Um, I always get these names pronounced wrong, but Deerween, um, the chief of the king's knights, mm-hmm. so the head of the um, Huskars, effectively. The, um, I'm so glad he's got a model now, because I always felt it was a bit of a shame that he was missed out in the films. Yes. Um, I know why they did it, because it's it's really hard in the films, in, in a film, to have... Um, to have characters which have a lot of characters, and they, you know, they're trying to, you know, bring it, focus it down onto a couple that that were figureheads, and the standard bearer, whose name I've forgotten, um, help me out with that one, Dan. Ga- uh, gambling, gambling. That's right. Yeah, gambling, gambling. The standard bearer fit the kind of. As an easy option to have the standard bearer and the and you know the leader of the knights all in one sort of you know fell swoop, but um, I'm I'm really glad now the Games Workshop have made a separate model for this guy, um, because he's he's quite a key part in the films, um, in a sort of subtle backgroundy kind of way. So yeah, absolutely, and he's a nice model as well. Another great horse. Which sounds like a weird thing to say, but I've always felt one of the things that characterised Lord of the Rings was the horses. Yes, definitely. Um, so that's good to see. And finally, the return of Golfimble. Who's Golfimble? Oh, the, the the goblin. Big fat goblin with a silly helmet that rides a wagon on foot. He's been re-released. Um, it's made to return the fearsome goblin warlord killed by... Um, Bandabras, the bull roarer, took place in the Battle of Greenfields and his decapitated head was inadvertently responsible for creating the sport of golf <laughs> after it flew a hundred <laughs> yards and rolled down a rabbit hole. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that's a lovely bit of, of Lord of the Rings trivia there. But yeah, he's back. I have to be honest, it's nice that he's got a model, but it's not. I'm not a fan of it. Is he in the film? He was created, I think, for the film, yeah, but never actually got seen. Oh, right. I've seen I've seen pictures of him. Um, there's a lot of characters that were filmed, well, were cast, um, equipped. Um, I think most most famously the um, the twin brother, the twin children of um, oh Elrond. Elrond. They were cast, armored, and shot scenes as well, but they were taken out. Mm. Again, because they felt there was too many characters for people to follow. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I got a feeling Glorfindel was as well, but they, they t- decided to take him out because it confused the issue and merged his part into Arwen. Oh. A lot of that goes on. I, I mean, I can understand why in a film, because actually, you know, when people are in armour, they can all start to look the same. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, when, they, when they've got their helmets off, um, then you can start to recognise faces. But then if they're only taking their helmet off every, like, fourth scene, you're like, is that the other guy or is which guy's that one? Because I've forgotten people, I think. It would have put a lot of people off, is what my thinking is. Okay. Yeah. 
So that was a quick one. Yeah. I suppose, can we, sh- I think as we're doing it monthly, I might add on a little, uh, an Into the Wilds as well, if that's all right, Dan. Right, guys, sorry, we had to pause it there because um, um, Hannah's just gone a little crazy um, having a bit of a whale. So Dan's gone off to um, help out and he's gonna le- he's left me to finish off the episode, if that's all right. So sorry. Um, I'd like to mention quickly um, the announcement of a new game that I'm really excited about because it is another computer game conversion um, that I have been obsessed with since I first played Morrowind quite a while back now when I was a teenager. And it is Modifius, who are a fantastic company, did a great job um, with Fallout, have gone and produced a Skyrim game, which they've sort of dropped a couple of models on us recently. So uh, a few of the Imperial Guard and a few of the um, Stormcloaks, which are the faction, a couple of the factions, and a few of the sort of undead characters as well uh, from that game, and also the lead character or the main character, which is the the uh, um, the character that you play in the game. They've done a, a the, the sort of feature model for that too. Um, I don't know a great deal about it, other than I like the look of the models, um, but it's going to be one to watch um, for me. Um, so if you're interested in Skyrim and you haven't heard about that um, and you like miniature wargaming, which I'm assuming you do because you're listening to us ramble on every every month or so, um, then that might be worth checking out. And um, I think we'll close up the episode there. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, like Dan said earlier, we are going to be looking at um, re-evaluating the situation every month if... Uh, you know, things are able to give us the space and time to, to, to go back to two weekly, then that really genuinely is our intention because um, we prefer to do it that way, to be honest, even though the work rate is a little higher. Um, there's so much to talk about that if um, if we leave it a month, we almost certainly miss stuff and uh, we enjoy doing it. So many thanks for listening. Um, Final thanks to all our awesome patrons for supporting us and allowing us to do this. And a couple of times this year, it genuinely has allowed us to continue recording the episodes because um, there's been a lot of problems with kit and um, things like that. So thank you very much. And um, if you want to follow us, we're on Twitter, um, Instagram and Facebook at The Two Piece Podcast. Um, We do YouTube stuff, which is largely ported over episodes from Podbean, which is our primary platform but we also do a couple of videos every now and again um when the when the mood takes us although we are hoping to increase that um as we get better at videoing and stuff and we have slightly better environments than my skanky old shed um so if you want to chat come over and see us on one of those if you want to get stuck in with our um um hobby forum on facebook where um, we're running the competitions. Then if you head to our main Facebook page in the community area um, or linked groups area, it's right in there. And we would love to have you there to um, join in. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And we will catch you next month. All the best. <laughs>